Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm supposed I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. <sighs> okay, folks, uh, uh, look, we decided to be the first podcast to do the responsible thing and, and mask up because we're concerned about you. A study came up from a city called... Um, <laughs> Am I pronouncing this correctly, Adam? Ravensburg. Ravensburg, Germany. Uh, yeah. uh, Germany, which is the home of uh, uh, this uh, gentleman, sweetheart of a guy, uh, Klaus Schwab, who believes uh, now there's possibilities of you getting COVID through watching podcasts. So what? We decided to be yeah. fully responsible and wear this mask again. We're breaking. Vinny, it's today. on your Pat, eyes, you idiot. And, uh, what do you do? Put it in your been, mouth. It's been two years. Rob, I forgot how to use can it. Can you show us the articles that came Please. out with different companies? Here's Lionsgate reinstates mask mandate in parts of Santa Monica office following COVID outbreak. And what's the other one that's doing it as well? Uh, Atlanta College brings back COVID mask mandates as government doctors in Seattle call for face coverings <laughs> to be compulsory for healthcare workers amid rise of new COVID variant BA2.86. So, folks, we're being responsible. But having said that, for the sake of living in America, we're going to be free and take the shit off. Yeah. It's the mandate uh, problem. That, hey, you remember what Arnold Schwarzenegger okay. said? The uh, hell with your freedom. Yeah. You want to wear the mask. No, he you said, wear. screw your freedom. The mandate. Your freedom. Yeah. Screw your freedom. Yeah. The mandate is what I okay. Okay. Biggest So if you say, Guten Tag, Klaus Schwab. Du kannst mich mal am Aschlecken. <laughs> Whatever that means. All right, so listen. Uh, I just told Klaus Schwab to kiss my tush. Holy in moly. Perfect, oh my in perfect term. Respect. Um, it's okay. Listen, a lot of stories. The debate's coming up tomorrow night, the first debate. Trump's not going to be there. He's saying he's not going to be there. Apparently, he's going to be doing a show with uh, Tucker Carlson, those two together, which he's got a 46-point lead. He's got a big 23-point lead in Iowa, and there's a lot of people not happy about it, but uh, he's not showing up. We'll talk about that. There's going to be predictions on what we think is going to happen with the uh, debate tomorrow. Mortgage rates hits record-breaking highs in 21 years. Uh, Adam's making static noise. (laughs) As China falls into the deflation, the mood turns dark. We'll talk about there's a video I want you to watch from China. Looking for a new car under $20,000, good luck. Your choice has dwindled to just one vehicle. America's fight over tipping at restaurants comes to its biggest battleground yet. How much do you tip? CNN Jake Tapper was forced to do something he didn't want to do. you got to see this clip. But you know what? I respect him for even saying it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where no one's saying it in that channel. Larry Ellison throws. Money behind Tim Scott, and not just $3,300. He throws some real money behind Tim Scott for 2024. Tom will cover that. Murdoch asks GOP's Glenn Youngkin to run for president in 2024. Hawaii, Biden shows up. Folks, you know a person is winning and doing very well with the crowd. When I show you this clip of the warm welcome President Biden got when he got to Hawaii, driving up in his car in security, yeah, it's there's gonna be a moment where in this podcast you may get emotional. I think it's gonna be when I show you this clip. <laughs> Brace for impact. Biden campaign predicts GOP candidates will out mega each other at the debate. I don't think that's gonna happen because there's a lot of people that don't want MAGA to be leading the way. Anheuser Busch renews partnership with Washington Commanders as team's official beer sponsor. 
Kid Rock apparently was seen drinking Bud Light, Vinny. What, what happened? No way. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Americans burning through excess savings from the pandemic. We'll cover that. Uh-oh. Stay home dads. Well, maybe we'll cover that. A stunning social change. A lot of people are alone today. Uh, we talked about the debate. A few things with Trump. Biden, Ho- Hawaii, we'll cover that. And then, uh, you know, DeSantis' comment about what was the listless, listless vessels. vessels. Listless vessels. And then maybe we'll give a quick shout-out to uh, Rachel Maddow. And there's some stuff that's going on with Logan Paul, Jake Hmm. Paul, and Dylan Dennis that I think we will eventually comment on today. Having said that, let's get right into mortgage rates. Tom, mortgage rates soar to their highest level in 21 years. U.S. mortgage rates, a 30-year fix, officially averaged 7.09% in the week ending August 17th, up from 6.96 the prior week, according to Freddie Mac. Rising rates have been persistent. Exceeding 6.5% since May, and I've climbed further since mid-July. The last instance of rates over 7% was in November of the preceding year, and the current average rate is the highest since April of 2002. We're talking pre-Big Short. We're talking pre-Michael Burry saying the real estate market's mm-hmm. going to collapse. This is right after 9-11 is what we're talking about. The surge in mortgage rates is affecting home affordability and sales with a combination of low inventory and higher costs, leading to a 20 or 20% drop in home sales compared to the previous year, despite the strong economic growth, challenges arise from high costs and inflation concerns. Tom. This is huge. What's huge about it is that this is a national average. This isn't like a regional spike. You know, we've looked up here and we've had Rob go on there and, you know, pull pull the averages on the Google search and you can see 8% in certain areas. This is a national average. And the national average has grown now. 7.09% on a national average is bad. Uh, that really means that you probably have some areas out there and some types of consumers that are seeing eight and a half, eight and a quarter, if they're even choosing to get into that mortgage. Because when you translate the buying power of an eight and a half, that's not a whole lot of house, and prices are staying high because the inventory is staying low. This is what we thought was going to happen last year is now happening this year. And remember, the Fed says they may not be done raising interest rates or maybe another quarter point coming in the fall. Okay, so let me ask you a question. When do you think it's going to go back down 6%, less than 6%? I think I'm looking now at um, – end of first quarter next year, because that's when the Fed says that they will be considering. Remember, they have to see line of sight and see that 2% inflation. And then the Fed is talking about like maybe next year, early second quarter, they might give a quarter point back. But they don't want to see wage growth too hot. And they do not want to see inventory, excuse me, inflation above 2%. So it's, um, it's, we're probably probably here for the next nine months. And the Fed's not helping because they're saying, well, you know, in the uh, in the late autumn, which is right in the middle of the upcoming six-month uh, window I'm talking about here, well, we may throw another quarter point at it. We're still not happy that inflation's down. This is bad. And now we have national averages here. And as you pointed out, April 2002, folks, that was a recession ahead, six years ahead. Tom, let me ask financial you a question. Crush. October 28th of next year, where will, where will rates be? October 28th of 2024, where do you predict rates will be? October 28th, 2024, a week before election, where will rates be? I think it'll be back down to like a, a six national average, maybe a 575. 575, October 28th of next year. So you still think it's going to be pretty 
high, but it's going to be less than six. Uh, yeah, and less than the 709 that's here and less than six. I think the incumbent Biden administration will do everything they freaking can. They're, they're manipulating the job stats. We've talked about this at length. So I think that they're going to do everything they can to encourage the Fed to to drop it a little bit. Yeah, I fully agree. I believe that the uh, current administration will do everything they can to artificially inseminate the economy, <laughs> um, especially during an election year. Obviously, they want everything in their favor. Biden doesn't have a ton to run on. His approval ratings are in the low 40s, uh, dropping. Uh, we've got two leading candidates, Trump and Biden, both in the low 40s national averages. So if you have the power of the purse and you have Jerome Powell on your side and you've got Janet Yellen on your side and you've got, you know, maybe even like the big banks on your side, what have you, you're going to do everything you can to try to artificially uh, make the economy look better, make the stock market look better, make uh, mortgage rates look uh, as good as they can, make gas prices look lower, make uh, everything that's going on in the economy look as good as possible. So you are um, so continue with a, with, a, with a nice fake economy, like yeah. the way we've been doing for the right. last 20 years. And then, well, and then just to keep in mind with the mortgages, if we kind of zoom out just for everyone's perspective, because a lot of our listeners, you know, especially if you're in your 20s and 30s, you don't remember uh, prior to 2000, 2002, when... This is the last time that rates were this high, 7%. If you go back to when, you know, literally our parents, let's say, or Tom, maybe you bought your first, what's that, what year did you buy your first house? First year? 92. Okay, so 92. So just to give you guys some context out there, in the 80s, under Reagan's presidency, following your good friend Jimmy Carter, the reason that you're in this country, shout out to Jimmy. I think he's about to be 100, by the way. I want to say that the average rate was somewhere in the... 12 to 18 percent range. I think it maxed out at 18 and a half percent. Think about that. That is a credit card that you're putting a house on. You're putting a mortgage on. That's insane. If you're paying 18 percent on your credit card, I'd be raising like the red alert, red flag. Do not be paying that much money. That's how much money people were paying for houses you think in we're the 80s. Get back there? No, hell no. Okay. There's, that's unsustainable. Nobody's going to pay that amount of money for a house. At least I wouldn't. But then, as Tom pointedly pointed out, 1990s, it, I think it uh, at the at the heels of the uh, Bush administration, when when Clinton got elected, 92, it go, it went down to single digits, nine, ten percent. Then we saw it after um, 2000. You said it hit seven percent. I think you said uh, April of 2002. That's right after 9/11. Everything that happened with that. And then we saw what happened. With the Obama administration and everything artificially um, started heading lower, you say ZERP, zero, zero interest, interest rate policy. Yeah, exactly. So rates were what you know, two, three, four, five percent, zero in some, some ridiculous cases. I'm, curious I'm just giving, I, I'm giving some context that if you think seven percent is high, do your research. It's actually somewhat normal over the last forty so, years. Okay, good point. So is your point that we should keep it at seven point and stay here? Uh do I think we should keep as someone that's looking to purchase their first home? Hell no. But I, I, I would understand if rates kind of stayed in the 5 to 8% range over the next okay. decade. I what actually do you think? think we should stay here. I actually think we should stay here for a while. Uh, I don't know if you guys are following what's going on with China, with the development that yes. they have going on in China, with their biggest... Uh, 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 Evergrande. Ever, not, not even Evergrande. There's a company that's even bigger than that. Oh, I think really? it's called Country Garden or something like that. If you can pull up Country Garden, some weird name. These guys had a 441 billion won revenue last year in 2022. They just missed their debt payment. They Damn. literally just, you know how much their debt payment was? 
20 million won. They missed the debt payment. How do you miss the debt? 20 this is, million. This is kind of like, by the way, it's a 441 billion yuan company a year. Sure. Just missed a $20 million debt payment. That's like you're making, just to kind of put things in context. Tom, can you do the math on that? I, it, it's like you're doing. Ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, if you want to do that real quick, do that. If I'm doing $441 billion, that's nine zeros, right? You miss a $20 million debt payment. Am I doing that correctly, Adam? So that's like doing what? Take this, take this, take this, take this out. Nothing. That's like you're making $441,000 a year and yeah. you missed a $20 payment. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. That's what they just missed. Yeah. It's supposed to be nothing. Wow. They missed it because they accelerated. So, you know, you know, in China, they, they have a city in China, uh, uh, the, the Paris of China. Have you followed the story, the Paris of China? No. Uh, can you pull this up? There's a city in China uh, 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 that is... Twanberg, I think Tia Ducheng, this is a city, Tia Ducheng. They've built every single thing the same way it is in Paris in Tia Ducheng. That city right oh. there. It's Chandelice, identical. The Eiffel Tower, same size, identical. Wow. It, can you go pull up some, uh, uh, type in Tia Ducheng, copy paste that and go to uh, go to uh, uh, Google, type that in the right next to it, put Paris. Hmm. By the Paris way, right Pat, next. shout out to your French, uh, the accents. You just Ch yeah. 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 Go to images. Okay, monsieur. It's called, uh, you know, having a friend that sat in front of you that was French for a couple semesters. Uh, so check this sounds out. Sounds like a nice person. So, so look at that. Identical. Same exact thing yeah. in China. So what are these guys doing? They're spending so much money. Do you know how many vacant homes they have in China right now? Do you know how many vacant homes they have in China right now? Do you millions, know the number? Millions and millions. 65 to 90 million yeah. estimated vacant homes. What? And their unemployment right now for ages 15 to 24 years old. 15 to 24 years old. Yeah. Ages 15 to 24. It's around 140 million people right there. It's 21, 22% right yes. now unemployment. Correct. They have so much problems going on in China. Why? Because the, the knob you control as a country, if you cool and heat it up and not allow, allow capitalism to do it, you're eventually becoming God. You're acting like God. Like, don't worry about it. We are the gods of economy. We are Jerome Powell. We are, you know, Fed. We are the U.S. government. We are the Congress. We can do whatever we want to fix the economy. And then all of a sudden, you fabricated so much, mm -hmm. so much success that China yet last year lost 10,800 millionaires that left the exodus of millionaires in China. They're estimated to lose 13,500 millionaires this year. And guess what? Last year in 2022, 400 people in the world fell off the billionaire list. Guess how many was from China out of the 400? 228. Wow. Let me say this one more time. Out of the 400, 228 fell off the billionaire list, and they're out of China. So bring this back to U.S. I think we need to stay at the seven-point mark for a minute, and realtors and loan officers, I would be saying this, the message he gave, which was important, let's go back to where we were at in the 80s and 90s, and this may be the new norm, this may be the new norm. And I would talk to my clients, and I would, if I'm a loan officer right now, a realtor, I'm going to say this, listen, get this thing at 7% today. Here's why. Say the rates drop to 5.5% next year, we'll refi. Yep. But get it at least at 7% to get you in because you're going to get at a good price. Good price, because the problem is, what if it stays at seven percent? What if it goes to eight percent? What if it goes to nine percent? Lock it in at seven. When it goes lower, we will refi. That would be the approach I would be taking. Because if America plays with fire, on wanting to be the god of economy, all of a sudden we're going to wake up one day and saying, "What the hell are we going to do with all of this debt that we got going on?" Anyways, my transition today's sponsor is American Hartford Gold. Uh, you guys already know that I, I'm uh, big on 
different kinds of investments. I own stock, commercial real estate, residential, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, uh, you know, PE, money into different kind of you know, venture capital. We have a lot of different things that we do, but I'm also a big believer of gold. Uh, during times like this, when you're seeing us print money more and more and more, they're talking about printing another $2.6 trillion. I have physical gold myself in place. I've been a guy that was in life that's been in life insurance for 23 years. I'm about the what if something happens. You have to have a lot of life insurance. What if something happens to the economy? This is when you want to go out there and partner with American Hartford Gold uh, uh, and, and purchase some gold for yourself. If it's suitable, give these guys a call. We chose to team up with them. We like how they work. We like how they take care of the clients. You know, their rating is solid. So if you've never taken advantage of this, a couple things you need to know. American Hartford Gold will ship physical gold or silver directly to you. If you have retirement funds, they'll also help you with that. If it's a 401k rollover, or rollover, they'll show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio. With it, and they have the finest product, amazing customer service, and a buyback commitment. They have earned five-star ratings from thousands of reviews and A-plus from Better Business Bureau. Tell them I sent you, and they'll, they'll give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your first order. Call 866-939-6984. Again, 866-939-6984. Or text the word PBD to 65532. Again, text the word PBD to 65532. Three, two. The link will also be in the description. Okay, so that that's that's the mess that's going on in America. I wanted to kind of revisit some of the China stuff because because I think what you're saying is uh, very important. Because why is China important? You know, one of the biggest lessons I've learned, um, many of the lessons I've learned since Value Ten, but one of the biggest lessons is the threat of China. You know, what's the China by 2030? China by 2025? 2025, 2035. Every year they kind of keep pushing it back. A lot of those predictions were pre-COVID though, but since COVID. Uh, some of the um, information that they've been so uh, secretive about and they've been playing close to the vest have sort of come to light. Why? Because a lot of people have been examining China. And if you look at the Wall Street Journal, they've actually done a great job. I mean, we definitely advocate you reading the journal. But here's some of the uh, headlines of the Wall Street Journal in the last week. Number one, you talked about um, the unemployment rate of uh, China's youth, right? 21%. So the Wall Street Journal article says China's young, restless, and jobless. Youth unemployment doubled since COVID, 21%. By the way, the government is now telling college graduates, college graduates, to settle for low-paying blue-collar jobs. They're, they're, quote, it's okay to lie flat and that you should work hard jobs. Why? Because you should learn to eat bitterness. This is some of the um, vernacular that's coming out of China. Interesting. The, the second article was, has China is China passed its peak. All right, cool, good to know. Uh, after everything that's going on in China, that'd be uh, interesting to do. Uh, and then you talked about this, uh, sort of the billionaires. You said 222 billionaires. 228 what out of the 400, 228 were dealers off the billionaire list. We, yes. we remember in 2020 when Jack Ma went missing. Yep. And why did I was Jack Ma in the headlines? Because he's probably the most famous person, uh, tech billionaire out of China, Alibaba. But there's so many multi, multi-millionaires, billionaires whose names we don't know. Who, who knows what's happened to these guys? We've seen a tech crackdown in China. But here's the, the third article that I, that I read. Um, Wall Street Journal, China will hunt you down. So whether you're Jack Ma, whether you're billionaires, whether you're uh, the Uyghurs that we've learned about in uh, uh, work camps, um, or whether you're you know, living in Hong Kong and you're living in fear and 
you know, what we know about China is they will suppress any dissenting voice that dares to question the CCP. But here's what's interesting about China, because for years I've, we've, we've talked about the threat of China, you know, the red communism, CCP. Um, what was the, the admiral that we used to have on? Who you talking the gentleman about? who used to have a show? Oh, Spalding. General Spalding. Yeah. I learned a lot from him. He was great. Um, here's what we've seen since China. All right. The GDP has dropped. Their, their um, foreign investments have dropped significantly. I want to say it's 14% since COVID. Uh, they call it the decoupling of China. Aging population. We can talk about that for a second. Uh, tourism has is, is plummeted. Who the hell's going to China these days? Nobody. Okay. Foreign investments. We talked about Evergrande and the other uh, real estate firm. What was it called that you just mentioned? Uh, country uh, okay. something. So, you know, they, they have a name for these cities. They're called ghost cities. Yes, ghost They've cities. basically built up these cities with the expectation that millions and millions, you said 60 to 90 million uh, residences have been uh, are vacant right now, and nobody's moving there. So these ghost cities are literally empty. Talk about listless vessels. <laughs> Nothing going on there. But we all know that in China, there's no freedom of speech. There's no internet. There's no social media. You can't question the CCP. But let's take a step back and talk about um, GDP. So we all know that um, United States is the number one country in the world GDP. So we're about, what, $25 trillion, I want to say. China, uh, distant second, $18 trillion when it comes to GDP. Right? There you go. So $17, $18 trillion, There it is. And then it's not even close. When you go from 3 to 10, 3 to 12, you go 25 U.S., you go 18 China, and then you have very far down below that. you got Japan, Germany, India, U.K., and France, all in that 3 to $4 trillion range. Then you've got like the, what I call the twos. You've got Russia, you've got Australia, you've got Italy, Canada, Brazil, Australia. They're all basically below two. But here's what's interesting. China... You know, as as well as they're doing as from a GDP standpoint, number two in the world, there's actually another term that they call GDP per capita. You're familiar with this? It's like, all right, not how much not gross domestic product that the country is outputting. It's how much per person. Take a guess where the United States is GDP per capita. Don't pull it up, Rob, versus China. Just take a guess. Per person? Per person, like rankings in the world. So if we're number one and China's number two, GDP Total GDP. Where is it per capita? Take a guess. Well, you got uh, what twenty-three trillion divided by three hundred and thirty-five million. That would be the U.S. number. You really bumped the boss out this math right now. Yeah, and, then you would do, and then you would do eighteen trillion in China divided yeah. by what two billion? One point four billion. Yeah. yeah. So what do you have? Tell us. All right, nobody wants to guess the rankings. No. All right, fine. All right. My head hurts. Sorry, guys. We want to play this game. So number one in the world is Pat's uh, arguably favored country. Uh, Monaco, if that's considered a country, uh, a, a, a region uh, south of France, south of Italy. Uh, so Monaco and Luxembourg, number one in terms of GDP per capita. So let's move that out of the way. United States holding strong at but -um -bum, number seven in the world. That's money in each person's pocket. So China, um, not in the top 10, not in the top 20, not in the top 50. They are number 64 in the world. That makes meaning, sense to me, though. Meaning... There's some rich-ass billionaires yeah. Yeah. and some very, yeah. very poor people in rural China. They've been, obviously, over the last three Dude, decades, here's, their middle class has been rising. What a point you just made. Yep. Yeah. By the way, fantastic point that, that you did the research on that to share with us. I will tell you, Rob, can you pull up what I just sent you uh, uh, 
okay, the, can you go to the charts, edit the dates, go to the, the right above you, it says calendar, right next to the plot, right there. So you right to click on that and change the 2022 to 1980. Just change that to 1980. Okay, check this out. Yeah, and then put the space between it. No, you kind of messed it up. Yeah, there you go, right there. Click on that. Okay, zoom out a little bit. Zoom in, zoom in a little bit so we can see it. No, 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 Rob. Okay, go back to the days. To, okay, there you go. So, so bring this in so the audience can see this. So this is Japan, and go up. There you go. Perfect. So this is Japan, okay? The perfect comparison of China mm -hmm. to see what's about to happen to them is Japan. In the Look 80s, at mean, the right? growth Japan had. This is their Dow Jones. Mm -hmm. It goes from 5,000 in 1980 wow. all the way up to 40,000 in 1990. One of the fastest growing economies in the world. This is when Toyota was God mm -hmm. and their CEO was Jesus, okay? <laughs> Look what happens to these guys when they try to fabricate with fake economy and cheap money, quickly developing everything. Look how that thing goes from 40000 in 1990. It drops all the way down to what? 4000 6000 and 2000 okay, 2002. And it stays there at around two. What year is that right there? If you look at it, does it show, take you there? Okay. September. It's okay. It's so 2002. And then you go to the next bottom that you show. It's around like 2009, whatever that bottom is there. Very and since 1990 till today, guess what? It's never gone back to what it they was in 1990. They still haven't recovered yet. They're getting they close. They still wow. haven't recovered. In 33 wow. years, they haven't recovered. What China is going through right now it's catastrophic mm -hmm. is what they're going through right now. They're going to try to fake it till you make it for as long as you can. But let me tell you something. When you, when you fake it till you make it, like imagine when you're hanging out with a crowd and they're all rich and you're trying to act like you're rich. So you go to a restaurant. Hey, uh, yeah, let's do a bottle of, you know, whatever. <laughs> just bring it. It's Ace just, of you, spades. You're like, oh, shit. Like, oh, shit. Guys, it's, hey, just bring us all the Toro from the underground area of Japan where only the president mm -hmm. eats. Yeah. Bring us that's like hey, $500. Pat, I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom slice. real quick. Yeah. Right back. And then all of a sudden the bill comes out. <laughs> guys, the bill is $38,000. Let's split it between four of us. Look, um, man, it's it's 95. How much you guys? Let's tip this guy. This guy was a good Let's tip him 10 grand. 50 grand, 12,500 each. You want to give you a credit card? Like, oh, shit. What's going on here? You know those vinners. Did you always go to Vinny? <laughs> yeah. My bank so would be like, somebody <laughs> China, China has been living off of fake money for a long time. Mm -hmm. And their people are starting to realize. And they're slowly wanting to leave. It's kind of like this. You know how you want to leave the party and nobody knows? Yeah. You're like, you know, you're just going to leave to make sure nobody sees me here. Boom, I leave. That's kind of what the people in China are trying to do. They're trying to leave China without the government or the economy knowing to go to a different place and try to take their money out quietly, but you can't take your money out quietly. It's called, it's called an Irish exit. Let me say one more stat, and then I'm going to hand it over to my guy, the BizDoc, who you know he's going to give you some good stats. The last thing that I think we should bring up is everything that you've highlighted with India. This past year, India has now officially surpassed China as the world's most populated country. Uh, I think India's at 1.5 billion, I want to say. China's at 1.44 in, in that range, whatever the number is, depending on how many people are missing this week. Um, but interesting enough, because of their aging population, due to their a lot of it, the effect of the one-child policy, a lot of young female babies went missing because, you know, you wanted that, that male son. Uh, here's China's uh, population in the next 100 years. It's expected to go from 1.4 billion this year to 1 billion by 2080, okay, to below a billion, 800 million by 2100. So in the next 100 years, there you go, boom, stats right there. So, you know, what's the one idea I'm always saying? Like, hey, Pat, 
more chicks. You know, Soundcast, by the way, tuning today at 4 o'clock. You're not helping, though. You know, You're not but, helping, though. No, you got to make kids. So you, well, until you have kids, man, I want to see I want to see. Don't make Adam this personal, Junior, uh, Adriano Jr. sitting next We're to working you. on that, Pat. There might be a couple baby mamas, but let's not deviate. But here's the difference. The one-child policy has basically turned China into an all-dude sausage fest party. Yeah. So the, yeah, man, that's awesome. So the United States... Like the clubs in Kentucky I used to go to. Ugh, no fun. <laughs> By the way, do not try to come in all-dudes to a club in South Beach. Never going to happen. So in the United States, you have 98 males to 100 females. So you walk into a party, there's a couple more chicks. You're like, all right, cool, I can get down like this. That's kind of how clubs operate. Typically, you want more... Women than men, that's you know, supply and demand. It's you know, hypergamy at its finest. But in China, it's 105 men to 100 females. So you walk into a party, it's like, God, sausage fest up in this piece. That's what's going on in China, especially with the aging population. Old men running around the country. Tom. I really appreciate your dive into it. Uh, I love listening to stats like that. And one thing I'll add to Adam is remember one thing about Japan. Japan, the 90s, was the decade of crash. And then the aughts, the OOs, was the decade of slow growth back. And they mm. finished 2010 at 10,000, where you saw that there. So they sort of finished where they started in 1980. And they've kind of grown past that. One of the ways that they've grown in Japan, they have a currency that's tied to international monetary system. The yen is active, mm. actively a part of international monetary trade, currency trade. China has never, ever, ever pegged its currency to the international monetary trade. They've never pegged it. They've artificially adjusted the value inside turning the knob, which is the same problem that Stalin had. And if you want to go back and look at this in history with his five-year plans that he started in 1920, five-year plan. We didn't make it. Well, we're going to make another five-year plan. Oh, we didn't make that. Another five-year plan. And the human toll was terrible. So when you sit inside yourself the way China is now and the way Stalin did, what happens is you don't get where you're going. You're going to end up somewhere else. And that's exactly what's happened here. And at least Japan learned after 20 years of strife Decade of crash, decade of flat. They're now coming back, but they're coming back on rational economic policy and a currency that is tied to all the rest of the world currencies where you go up and down based on the value you create. By the way, the, the, the challenge here for these guys is, you know, everything is about looking at other case studies to learn for yourself. If you can't learn from other people's mistakes and you repeat it, you know, that's your fault. It's, you, didn't, you didn't process what the other person's mistake was. China's not learning from Japan. And we as Americans are not learning from history. We also keep printing more money, hoping to delay the problem to the next phase and the next phase and the next phase. This whole thing was about we should stay at around 7%. I think we should stay at 7% plus for about a decade and see what happens. It'll discipline everybody. By the way, I'm going to lose money if I do that because value is going to come down. But I think we need to stay at a disciplined number for a decade. Let's get stabilized. No more printing of money at the U.S. government unless if they can lower it by 10%. If you can lower our national debt by 10%, you can come back and ask for more money to be printed by us. If not, don't come back asking for more money. Let's just pump the brake. You know, there's freezes in different industries. Let's put a freeze in Congress printing more money for about 10 years. Let's see what happens. What if publicly we announced 
You can no longer print money unless if a natural disaster happened. You can't say more entitlement, more this, more that. Let's go for 10 years and see what that looks like. But knowing the the, the way our uh, uh, government is set up, that is very highly unlikely. Adam, I'm going to move on. Okay? okay. So the next story here I'm going to go to. Looking for a new car under 20000 Good luck. Your choice has dwindled to just one vehicle. And here's what that vehicle is. Uh, 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 the availability of affordable new cars in the U.S. has dram- dr- dramatically diminished with only Mitsubishi Mirage. Can you pull up the Mitsubishi <laughs> Mirage so we know Mirage. what it looks like? Fully loaded, right? Mitsubishi Mirage remaining under $20,000. This shift comes as the Mirage average sale price is under is around 19205 contrasted against the current average new vehicle price of over $48,000, significantly higher under pre-pandemic levels. The Mirage's affordability attracts certain buyers. Karen Shape, what a name, that makes sense. Yeah. So Karen's buy Mirages, who opted for a Mirage, noted that while she could have afforded a more expensive car, her preference for a small vehicle drove her choice. The Mitsubishi Mirage's future is uncertain. It might be phased out soon leaving buyers with even fewer affordable new options. While there are other low-cost cars like Kia Rio or Nissan Versa, the decline of sub-$20,000 vehicles may lead customers to consider certified pre-owned cars as a viable second option is what they got going on. Tom, what are your thoughts here with the Mirage? Is this something we should be looking into as a valuetainment car? Um, (laughs) For, oh my gosh. It's this little car. It looks like a delivery car. Like you could wrap it with a logo for DoorDash or something, and it just is the little delivery car. It's cute. You know, pulls up to your house, guy jumps out. Looks like my car, dude. And I I think what it just shows is what inflation has done to the price of cars. You know, when the starting point is that thing for $20,000, and I'd love to see the uh, crash rating on that thing, um, I think you've... It just underlines, again, what inflation has done to vehicles, that the starting price at 20000 will only get you that. Now, that's a little car. I'm sure it's reliable, and it should be really great if you wrapped it, DoorDash wrap, and 100%. start delivering and stuff. Doesn't take up much space in the street. But I think it just underlines just that the the cover charge to get a car now is $20,000. What a cute little car, though. By the way, it, it, it continues with another story about Wall Street Journal. Car prices might be unsustainable. For buyers, might be. Uh, uh, sure. Well, this is what Wall Street Journal stomach. Car prices have surged in the past five years, leaving only one model, which is the Mirage. 42 weeks. Uh, uh, the average American now requires 42 weeks of income to pay off a new car, up from 33 pre pandemic numbers. Used car prices have risen by over 30%, averaging at $27,000 compared to pre pandemic levels. New car loans demand a monthly payment exceeding $750 with an interest rate, holy moly, of 9.5%. While used car loan rates are around, ready, 13.7% uh, didn't beat my rate that I got in the Army at FMAC. 33% Kentucky. Kentucky. Really? I have the contract till today. Clarksville. Loans issued in the past three years have an average terms of nearly six years despite low unemployment. Auto loan delinquencies rates are at their highest since 2006. Defaults on loans from the peak pricing surge in the first half of last year are akin to our surpass to or surpass those of 2008 crisis, used car dealers have limited options under $10,000 while cars above 35 dominate the market. Think about this one real quick. Before the pandemic, it took you 33 weeks to pay for a new car. 26 weeks, six months. So it's 26 weeks plus a month and 
you know, a little bit more than half a year. Nine weeks were added to that. So pre-pandemic, it was 33 weeks. Afterwards, it was 42. That's nine weeks. That's two more months was added to the time it takes you to pay for a car. PBD, look at what happened in the pandemic. The pandemic was 22 months. In 22 months, we added two full months to the time it took to pay off a car. That's what the printing money and that's what inflation did to the average person trying to get a car. Destroying middle class. The more they print money, the more they destroy middle class. And that's their goal, though, right? That's been their goal the whole time. Either you're rich or you're poor. Yeah, but the the establishment that says... We need to print money to help the middle class. It's bullshit. All they're doing is hurting middle class. And guess what they're doing? Money flows to the top. I know. Money flows to the top. So they can print as much money as they want, but they're helping the rich get richer. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, I've said this for years. It's it's even more resounding at this point. The number one thing that is killing your wealth is your car. Because it's not even just your car and your car payment. It's your insurance. It's your gas. It's your tag. It's your title. It's your parking tickets. It's your toll fees. It's I need new brake pads. I need new tires. I need new this. I need to do that. It's valet. It's going out. And that's, God forbid, everything goes according to plan. Throw in an accident, throw in a DUI, you are screwed. Especially okay? in Florida? Beyond. Holy shit. So, you know, you talked about the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. We learned a new terminology during COVID called the K-shaped economy where the people at the top were just getting richer and the people at the bottom were getting poorer. So there's two ways to have more money. And this is for you message for the broke boys in the chat talking all the shit. Listen up. There's two ways um, to have more money in your life. Uh, You can either make more or you can spend less. Uh, I think uh, I've focused on doing both. Constantly working to improve my skill set, skills pay the bills, um, to make more money, add more income streams or do better at your job. That's awesome. That's one thing to do or make better investments. Great. But the second way to do it is to spend less and to cut out expenditures. And what I did, I'm not saying that you guys got to do it. I know there's going to be like, how could you not have a car? Well, stay broke, motherfucker. Here's what I would recommend. Um, Cut out what I would say one of the big three expenses from your life. What are the big three expenses of your life? Number one, your, yep, that's you, Vinny. Uh, Number one is your housing. Uh, that should cost, what, 33, 30% of your total gross income. That's your biggest expense. That's where everyone, I mean, you got a place to live. Maybe you get a roommate. Maybe, you know, your wife gets to work. Maybe you downsize, whatever it is. But the second biggest expense is your transportation. I cut out having a car in my life in 2011, and I live in downtown Miami, and basically I everybody. Uber everywhere. Yeah. I everybody. get that, Pat, yeah. but everybody's broke. No. So if you I- want me to recommend what everyone should do, then just stay broke. But the point is this. If you live in a big city, just do the math. If you're living in country Bumpkinville in Kentucky, obviously you're going to need a car, you need an old vehicle. It's also tough to do. Uh, uh, first of all, you, you're able to do that in Miami. I don't know how the hell you do when you go on dates with girls. They drive you around or you take an Uber. It's kind of weird. Well, it's you, not kind of weird because it's called Uber. And then, yeah. and then you, well, you're drinking and you have wine totally and you have a good time. It. And well, but it actually works out very well. I, I understand you have a game that you're doing, but you're not everybody. America is not Adam. Adam is less than 1% of America. That's you. The, the habits about a person that we want more people to have families and kids and raise good kids and families. That is a positive. If we had a million Adams, America's a problem, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Because you're not making any kids. You're not having a it's, – it's a very 
different uh, uh, America that we're talking about than just you. For you, but what do the cars what, have to do with kids? For for because the average person needs a car. Take them to, to get school. And pick them yeah, up but you don't need two. You don't need two cars or three okay. cars. So now I know a good. I know many people who are six, successful totally get it. that share one car and they, they figure it out. That, but that's a different story. So then give that point as well for people that are married with kids because. In, in today's, our listeners are not uh, SauceCast listeners, Adam. This is a different listenership that we have on the show. SauceCast listeners, people want to listen to, you know, what it is to get laid, paid, whatever. You know, that, that's the kind of stuff that that audience wants to listen to. The average American today is sincerely sitting there saying, I'm concerned about my kids going to public school. I need a car to pick them up. My husband's got a different job. The reason why Moral and Tikran were able to make it work is because they both work for the same company. Mm -hmm. It was very easy to do. The average husband and wife don't work for the same company. We don't have a reality of what we've been doing the last four or five years. That is not the reality of everybody. The average person who's listening to this or watching this is sitting there saying, dude, I, I want to have kids. I want to have a family. I want to raise my kids well. I need a car to drop them off here, pick them up there, do all this other stuff. And the prices are going up, and we keep printing more money. And the more money we print, by the way, every time they print money, I get richer. Let me say this one more time. Mm -hmm. Every single time they print money, I get richer. If I told you how much money I just made in the last six months on my uh, money market account, you wouldn't believe it. I don't even want to say it because people are going to be like, look at this guy, how much money he's bragging about. Every time they print money, I make money. Okay, this concept about printing money over and over to helping the middle class out, we have to pump the brakes and say, guys, relax with all the stuff that we're doing. We have to change some of our habits. I love the line that you said, make more, spend less. There's two ways that you increase your net worth. You either make more or you spend less. Perfect. So let's flip that on the government. How can the government or policies help middle America? How can the government help middle America? Let's, let's think about that part right there. How can the government help middle America? Okay, so a, a, a perfect uh, example to give you here. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last time. Did we talk about the $63,000 salary or no? I don't think we've talked about it. I don't it. think so. Okay, so Adam, Vinny, Tom, Rob, all of you here, I want you to think about this answer. If you make $63,000 a year, you love your mom, your father passed away, is no longer in the Sounds picture. Sounds like me. Sounds like you. Yep. You make $63,000 a year. What percentage of your money are you comfortable giving to your mom to help her out? If you make sixty-three a year, which is roughly $5,200 a month, what are you comfortable giving to your mom to help her out? A year? If you make $63,000 a, a year. I'm asking a sincere question. If you're the question. average American... You probably don't have enough money to give your mom anything. I agree, but okay, give yeah, me a right. number to say five thousand dollars, ten percent tithe for your mom, Tom. Five hundred bucks a month is probably what it would take to help your mom get over anything. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's say five hundred bucks a month, which at sixty-three thousand dollars, that's about ten percent. That's about ten percent, yeah. right? Yep. Okay, sounds good. Watch this. Do you know if you add eight zeros? To that $63,000, what number you come up with? Our federal expenditure. Do you know out of our $6.3 trillion a year on federal expenditure, how much we spend on entitlement programs? Do you know what the number is? Uh, what's the total number? Out of $6.3 what percentage we spend on entitlement programs? Or what dollar amount out of the $6.3 trillion? Wasn't it $2 trillion, to, about 33%? Probably closer to $3 trillion. $3.3 trillion we give to entitlement programs. Half of it. Let me give you another number on this context, <clears throat> since we're on this context. In 1940, 
Okay? No, not 1940. Go to uh, 1960 years ago. Whatever 60 years ago is what? 1960. In 1960, 1950, um, what percentage of kids born in America you think were born to single mothers? In what year is this? Go to 1950. What percentage of kids being born in America were born to single mothers? I'll tell you. 10%? I'll say it's half of that, probably 4 or 5%. It's exactly 4%. Okay. You know what that number is today? Probably like 40%. It's exactly 40%. Wow. It went from 4% to exactly 40%. Here's a question for you. Now, obviously, give or take. Someone's going to say it's not exactly it's 41 or 39. All I'm saying to you is it went from Ballpark. 4 to 40%. How do we get here? How do we get from 4 to 40%? Welfare queens. Actually, think of Do you know we are one of the worst countries, if not the worst country in the world, in kids being born to single mothers? Why? So, so, uh, so uh, 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 Biden comes out and they want to add another $2.6 trillion because they want to increase the amount of money we're giving to single mothers with kids. Here's how the policies got started. What caused this? The surge is based on two things. One in 1935, FDR, when he came out with Social Security. New Deal. He also came out with a New Deal. He also came out with policies to give money to single mothers, okay, who had kids. Okay, these are single mothers. Maybe they lost a husband, war, something was going on, but they're like, we have to take care of them. Fine, we have to take care of them. No problem. Then in 1965, L.B. Johnson, L.B.J., takes it to a whole different level. And then you see the skyrocketing. And they said, here's how we're going to invest into eliminating people being poor. The Great Society. Brandon, can you send me that one chart on the flip on what happens if the investment we made and the amount of debt we increased to help out the poor, to eliminate the poor? Brandon, if you know what chart I'm talking about, just text it to me for me to show this to Rob so Rob can show it up. This is not the one, but he'll send it to me right now to see it. It took 55 years for us to find out that that investment we made in single mothers became a bad habit, and now it's costing us so much money that we can't get away from it anymore. Hmm. We're spending 53% in entitlement programs. So going back to what we're talking about, no, the other one that shows, Rob, the other one that shows the one that's declining and the other one that's increasing. I think you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, uh, here, I'll send this as well to Rob. But the other one, I'll send, Rob, I'm going to send this to you so the audience is watching this. They know where to go get the source. To, to do their own research on what we're talking from 4% to 40 So So going back to, Adam, your point about what to do, there's two things I think about. One is what we can do as individuals, as people that have families, to inspire others. Yes, you got to make more money. Yes, you got to spend less money. And the way the government can do it, guess what? Government's got to also make more money, and they got to also what? Spend less money. Yeah. We keep spending more money, and we're making less. So middle America's, at, look at this. This is less than 4% in the 1950s. You see the person, number of single uh, unwed birth uh, rates. We're, at, we're above 40%. We're at 41%. This is not good. So by the way, somebody's watching and saying, how do we, do, do we get off the topic and are talking about this? What happened? If my mother, if my mother tried to discipline me, single mother say, hey, you better do this. I'm not listening to my mom. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? No, I'm going out. I'll be home at 11 o'clock. Yeah. You need to be on by this time. She can hit me. That gets to an age that the hitting doesn't hurt anymore. And she kind of sitting there saying, what do I do now? You either have to marry somebody to discipline me or you have to call my dad, but you guys are divorced, so you guys don't talk. 
I'm going to do whatever the hell I'm going to do. So I had a 1.8 GPA in high school. What if there was some order in the house? What if somebody didn't come into my life to give me the... I saw a picture the other day that this African-American man in school is buying suits for kids, teaching them how to shake hands, teaching them how to take care of themselves. Freaking awesome. I wanted to find out who this guy was to buy him a nice suit or two for himself and take care of him. But we need more of data like this to look at and realize, listen... We're screwing this thing up. Here's the investment. Oh, my God. I can't wait to show this to you guys. Rob, I'm going to text this to you. Folks, if you see this, we have this article that's going to be coming out here soon. This research we did. Great job. Shout out to Brandon on a great job he's doing with the research. Rob, if you can pull this up so we can show this. This next one is the real one I want you guys to see. It shows, like, when you invest. Remember yesterday I was talking to 401K. Why yeah. aren't you guys investing into the 401K to match yeah. and all this stuff that we have? Short term, what do people say? Oh, it's not, what's the big deal? I'm not going to make that kind of money. I'm not going to do this. It's just short term. Look at this right here. Total means tested welfare spending and official poverty rate from 1947 to 2012. Whoa. So look at the poverty rate to the left. You see how high it was? Jeez. Percentage of people that were poor at during what era? This is Great Depression, post-Great Depression, okay? And the amount of money we spend on welfare. Look at the break-even. You see when they cross paths? What year is it? 1990. Yeah, 1992. Okay. Yeah. Okay, 1992. Yeah. That takes about 55 years. But then guess what happened? The poor level stayed the same. Look at our look at our cost for welfare. Guys, this didn't work. This whole thing about the plan that FDR came up with ended up being a shit show, and you and I are paying a price for it. And Lyndon Johnson, what did what he did in 65, that also didn't help. Look at the spike after 65. You see 65? So it was gradual from what FDR did to 65. But look what happened after 65. Boom. It just goes. Both of them combined. We became a spending machine country. And we're not watching what happened to China and Japan. We are next if we keep going like this. This is a serious issue. This is not a hypothetical. When I'm going around talking to different podcasts, this last week I did podcasts, a few different podcasts. One podcast I did with Tom Ford. I think his name is Tom Ford from Forbes. He says, look, I disagree with almost every single one of your policies. Obviously, he's on the left. And we're having a conversation. He says, well, you know, how about this and how about that? And I talked to uh, George Jenko, and we're talking to Graham Stephan. George Jenko, about to get married, wants to have a family. Graham Stephan, about to get married, wants to have a family. And this other guy had two daughters that I'm talking to. I said, listen, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. This shit's not working. This spending money to try to save poverty is not working. We need to step out of the way and let people figure it out. 4% to 41%. What happens when most kids are raised by single mothers? Boys are going to be doing whatever the hell they want to do. Make, make cities unsafer. You can't look at this and say, well, that's not fair, and that's racist, and that's this, and that's that. No problem. Go back to your, go back to your uh, what do you call it, uh, ideas, and see what that's doing to your society. You go ahead and do that. Keep spending the money, see what it does to you. And then one day we're going to wake up and we're going to say, damn it, look at this stuff. But this is proven. This is not a hypothetical. This is proven data on what we did and where we are today. And either we're going to do something about it or we're not. So, And, and Pat, you said the first thing, if you were in charge, it would be with number one is just stop printing money. No, I'm going to change incentives is the first thing I'm doing. Okay, well, like, like for instance, what would you want – one major one. How do you? How's how's your life right now? How do you feel right now with yourself, your confidence, I'm your good. personal life? Right now, I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Okay. What changes have you made in your life? Give uh, dramatic changes you made pre VT to now. Pre VT, um, I don't drink. 
I'm, I'm pre-V2, to, you were drinking. Of course. Okay. Oh, yeah, not like a maniac, but you know, I, I go out, I drink, I socially drink. Adam's like, I've been even uh, drinking, obviously going to church, spending money on less s- stupid stuff. I'm not going out, I'm not doing anything crazy, but uh, yeah, just life is, everything's changing. Okay, Positive. everything. Health, everything. Everything, health, different way you're eating. You know, the, the other day, George is like, hey, why does the Vinny look yeah, like Yeah, Vinny's on so steroids. Yeah. Everybody, so, that's just haters. The though. first thing we have to do is we have to change the incentive programs that we have in America. Our incentive program, which is our tax system, Mm -hmm. when you work for a sales company, whatever their comp structure is, is going to produce behaviors. Our tax system is producing the behavior of single mothers. Hmm. Our tax system is producing the behavior of not going after your dreams. Why? Because the government's stealing that away from you by giving you money so you don't have to work your ass off to go after your dreams. Our tax system is producing super, super, super wealthy people and it's producing the middle class to be eliminated. There is no incentives. Our tax system is making the big companies bigger and the small business owners to disappear. Just 40 years ago, we had 50-plus companies when we wanted to buy weapons or we wanted to buy planes. Today's those 50-plus companies are five. five. We are now with what's going on today in the economy – these bigger banks are buying the smaller banks. What is that doing? Fewer options to go to banks? Let's be nationalized. The tax system and our incentive system is destroying the middle class. And the only way to address that, you have to make some dramatic changes. And that is going to infuriate so many people at the top that have control. So for a person to do that, the current system is not going to be sustained for a person like that to win. So this is why I kind of like what Vivek is talking about. This is why I like what RFK is talking about. This is why I like the fact that Trump's pushing the envelope. Even the DeSantis is out there. Hopefully, hopefully they're able to give their message better tonight tonight or tomorrow night. Tomorrow oh, night's going to be the debate where we're watching it, right? We need somebody to come in that can't be bought, that's not for sale. There was, a, there was a, one of the best moments in the debate was when Trump and Hillary are going at it. And Anderson Cooper asks a question and says, Taxes. If you can pull this clip up, I, I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. He says, "Hey, uh, 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 Donald, uh, uh, Mr. Trump, you know your tax records show that you paid nothing in taxes last year. You haven't paid taxes for this many years." And da 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 da. And he says, "Yeah, yep. absolutely. My goal is to pay the least amount of taxes possible. So are all of her donors." <laughs> yeah. And then she said, "But here's the thing." If Hillary wanted to fix it, how come she hasn't changed that for 30 years? Because her donors won't be happy. And this is why I haven't taken a single penny from the donors because I can't be bought. I can't be controlled. She can't. It, it, the only reason somebody will listen to that and say that's bullshit is because you're such a Democrat that you're not open to the idea of an opposing argument. That logically makes all the damn sense in the world. One person is bought. The other person is not. Is this the one that you're talking about? Uh, play this one. I think this is the one. Go ahead and play Last it. Last month, taxes were the number one issue on Facebook for the first time in the campaign. The New York Times published three pages of your 1995 tax returns. They show you claimed a $916 million loss, which means you could have avoided paying personal federal income taxes for years. You've said you pay state taxes, employee taxes, real estate taxes, property taxes. You have not answered, though, a simple question. Did you use that $916 million loss to avoid paying personal federal income taxes? For of years? course I do. Of course I do. And so do all of her donors or most <laughs> of her donors. I know many of her donors. Her donors took massive tax write-offs. Last month. Yeah. yeah, it unfortunately doesn't show the next 30 seconds because yeah. 
you know, she, he says, if you had 30 years, yeah. how come you not done anything about it? Our incentive system right now sucks in America. Anyways, let's go to the next topic that we got. Okay. Uh, okay, let's go to tipping. And then from the tipping, actually, you want to go to Hawaii? What do you want to go into? Um, let's go into tipping and then we'll go into Hawaii. So here we, here we go. America's fight over tipping at restaurants comes to its biggest battlegrounds yet. This is a Wall Street Journal story that we have here. Uh, a battle over tipping at restaurants is unfolding in Chicago where discussions are evolving, revolving around the potential transition from the city's minimum wage to the tipped wage system for wait staff and other restaurant workers. Under the ex- existing setup, large businesses in Chicago pay tipped employees a minimum of $9.48 per hour with tips compensating the remaining amount. Activists are pushing for change, arguing that restaurant staff should be entitled to the same minimum wage as other workers, however, restaurant owners are raising concerns about potential disruptions to their businesses, especially during a period of post-inflation recovery and sales losses due to the pandemic. They anticipate higher operational costs, which could uh, necessitate uh, the uh, menu price hikes and staff reductions. So, Tom, what, what is this all, all about? <clears throat> this is about entitlement. The key phrase, restaurant staff should be entitled to the same minimum pay as other workers. In other words, that waiter that knows you, that busts their butt, that is watching everything and delivering everything and taking care of you and making that dinner the best it can be, you tip. Tip stands for to ensure prompt service tips. And it used to be done in advance. I'd like to have dinner here, and you slip a $5 bill to the waiter, and then you didn't pay at the end. And that was to ensure prompt service so that you let them know that you appreciate them. You tip ahead. Now we tip at the end. But in Chicago, let me check. Oh, Blue State. Um, they are basically saying, gosh, it's unfair that the wait staff make this on the on the minimum wage, 948, but the rest of the restaurant doesn't. They're trying to turn the restaurant into a socialist, we are all equal organization. That's what this is all about. Whereas the waiter and the waitress put their personal style you and know, their personal attention to earn that extra that we appreciate. Uh, so wait, so, so that's basically saying that it's just lump. So now this person is not going to go above and beyond to do shit for you. Because it's already included in the tip, right? It's not going to change. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 you know, I'll go to a restaurant and I'll say, mm-hmm. uh, if a guy goes above and beyond, and I'll say, let me ask a question. Does this tip go directly to you or does it go, you guys share? I've no, seen you we do share that. here. Yeah. And I'll say, okay, man, I'm just going to give you 20%. Because yeah. I was going to give you 40%, but I'm not going to share with mm-hmm. everybody else because I don't know how well they're doing. Yeah. I tip less if it goes to everybody versus if it goes to the individual person. I tip less because. Then the server, think about the incentive on, on, on the server. The server is going to be like, why would I go above and beyond if I know I'm not going to be sharing the whole thing with everybody? Now, if you worked at a restaurant before, I've been a busboy before, the servers at the end of the night will, shill, will, will share tips with the busboy if you're working, running this, and they'll share with the workers in the back, et cetera, et cetera. That's something that they do, and they go above and beyond. But for me, you want that individual to have a – identity on going above and beyond for service because they're going to get better tip from you. If they cut that out, what's the motive for somebody who want to go above and beyond? And what's the motive for somebody who want to tip above and beyond? Those two things are kind of eliminated. Yeah, I often say some of the best salespeople uh, 
in the world, certainly in America, come from the restaurant industry because they have to learn service. They need to learn how to communicate effectively, to upsell interpersonal communication, to put on a smiley face even if you're not exactly in the best mood. I was a server all throughout college. I made money, and then boom, I got into sales. But I, I think um, I, you bring a good point about whether they pull the tips or not. I, I don't really get into the, the details of that. I just you typically tip 20%. It is what it is. Um, I, I actually uh, fully understand what you said. Tips, there's actually an acronym for it, T-I-P-S, to ensure prompt service. So it's interesting like that. But tipping is part of our culture in here in America. I remember I went to Australia for the first time in like 2009 and um, I left a tip. Uh, you know, I think I, it was a you know, hundred dollar bar tab. I left like 20 bucks, whatever it was. And my buddy's like, mate, why'd you, why'd you leave money for the, for the server? And I'm like, uh, tip. He's like, we don't tip here in Australia. They, these guys make $25 an hour. I'm like, what? <laughs> these guys are making 20. This is 2010, 29. Yeah. I'm like what? Price I'm like, the as price. a server, you're making five bucks an hour and you're relying on tips to basically eat. Um, and I was like, hold on, what's going on here? And then if you go to Europe, the you know, tips are maybe 10% at the most. When I was in Israel recently, you know, five, 10% shekels, it's not a big deal. But tipping is a part of our culture here in America. What's the typical tip? 20%. That's just sort of standard. But I think that servers and anyone that's served before understands how much work you put in being a server and you just simply cannot get by on whatever the number is, whether it's $5 or $9. It's minimum wage. It's not. It's not uh, sustainable. The other thing. So I'm fully in, in in the servers corner. The other thing that I actually kind of have an issue with these days is everywhere you go in America, anything you buy, you go to Starbucks. The guy pours you a coffee. Do you want to add a tip? Yeah. All right. You go to Chicken Kitchen over here. All right. Yeah. You want to add a tip? Anywhere you go, they want to add a tip, and they automatically give you. Uh, 15, 20, 25 percent option. Okay. Yeah. So I just bought a chicken kitchen for $16. It's like, okay, the lady who did nothing is ringing it up and she's like looking at you, you're staring at yeah, it's like I hate it's that. like they flip the thing on you. It's like a staring contest. You're playing Russian roulette just like just boom boom boom. She's like, "Yeah, how much are you going to leave as a tip?" It's like, "I got to leave this lady $4.25 because she rang up my chicken and rice order." It's I'm like, "So I will take the second and be like, uh add, you know, your own tip and I'll say, you know, $2, whatever." Because I'm just not going to leave $5 every time that I pick up a Starbucks nope. or pick up a chicken kitchen. It's it's become ridiculous. But this like tipping war, it's at, I feel like at a tipping scale right now. And it's interesting to see how it plays out. There's two different problems here. The first problem is Chicago is trying to put in um, socialist entitlement. Capitalism is based on merit. Merit is based on skill. Skill, style, everything. The merit of the server to deserve and earn. Earn. E-A-R-N odd word, to earn the tip at the end of the meal. And now mm -hmm. they're just going to turn it where everybody is paid this rate. And you know who's going to carry that? <clears throat> the restaurant owner. Now the restaurant owner's got to pay everybody according to an escalated minimum wage and hope there's enough pooled tips in there to do it. And if the servers mail it in and they don't do too much and the, own, and the restaurant owner only clears 15% in average mm -hmm. tips, you see where this is going, Pat? 
You just took the profit out of the restaurant owner. Mm -hmm. That's what you did with this socialist feeling that everybody should be paid yeah. a little bit more. And what's the root word of being a server? It's service. So if you want to go to a good restaurant, a nice restaurant, have good service, you need to incentivize the server yep. to provide good service. If they're de-incentivized -incentivi and they don't give a shit, we've all been to places where they don't tip people well or, or basically there's no tips required. Service is shit, and that's essentially what we're going to. Another, another thing that entitlements is going to ruin. So, there you go. All right, let's go, go to the next, next thing on what's going on in Hawaii. 850 people still missing in Hawaii uh, uh, after Maui wildfires. This, uh, CNBC, the mayor says, it's on page 17 if you want to go there. Um, mayor uh, Richard Bisson uh, uh, revealed that 850 individuals remain missing. After the devastating Maui wildfires with 114 confirmed deaths, making it the deadliest modern U.S. wildfire event, the mayor clarified that 27 victims have been identified, while over 1,285 people have been located safely. Uh, the initial count of over 2,000 people missing uh, decreased due to restored cell phone communication, enabling contact with loved ones. The process of accurately determining casualties in mass disasters can span months or years, as researchers point out, emphasizing the, that the final death toll uh, remains provisional. In response to the tragedy, the FBI introduced a site for people to provide DNA samples for exp expedited victim identification, aiming to aid the ongoing effort to match remains with those reported missing. Absolutely tragic. Rob, can you show uh, uh, with uh, President Biden, who was on his second vacation for the month, which, by the way, an article came out from uh, if you want to if you want to talk about the trap. Forty percent. Yeah, he's been he's been on vacation for forty percent of his presidency. He's living the dream. Forty percent of his president presidency has been oh on vacation. My God, according dude. to uh, what is this thing? Travel uh, nor President Biden's recent ten day Delaware Beach vacation pushes his known vacation days to three hundred sixty days, counting for forty percent of the time. Dude. Uh, defenders cite the convenience of Biden's close to White House. Trips as justification echoing a historical tradition of scrutinizing presidential vacations. Critics, critics have targeted president for leisure activities since the inception of the office. Biden's Camp David visits nearly double those of Trump, yet falls short of past presidents like President Bush, who totaled 150 visits, underscoring the ongoing debate on presidential work-life balance. Now, here's what happened. The challenge is... He hadn't shown up. And he, by the way, he kept saying he's going to go to Palestine, Palestine. He's he never not, went, he never went to Palestine. He went to Hawaii. He's, this he's is the reception right? that he got. Can you Please can you show up. the clip of the reception he got when he got there? The video I just, I think, not this one. There's a video Warm. I texted you, Rob. Uh, uh, right, is that? Yeah, that's the one. Watch this here when he shows up to Hawaii. Look at the love he's getting. Look at this Wow, know. he's finally here! Yay! Wow, yeah! Awesome, awesome! Yeah, thanks for nothing! Thanks for nothing! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Yeah, they love, oh, wow, they love you. Biden, huh? Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! They love that guy. Hey, right here. Hey, fuck you, Joe Biden. Fuck you. I bet you they voted for him. That's the voted. problem. I'm yeah. going to tell you something right now. Just FYI for everybody, uh, Hawaii, Democratic ran state. Uh, Biden won Hawaii 63.7%, Tom, uh, over uh, Trump, 29.5% uh, margin over Trump. Do you guys think that they're going to be, who do you guys think they're going to vote for this time around? Who do you think? Because think about it. Biden. They got, 
Hundred percent, they're course, gonna vote for yeah. Biden again because you know yeah. why, Pat? They don't want the mean guy in there, the mean guy that gets the job done. And let's let's just just going back, Pat. This is the same administration that let uh, Pete Buttigieg go on maternity leave because they adopted a kid and he was gone for three months. This guy's on vacation. It's not a surprise. But let's get Pat. Let's get really fast into. So when it comes to the the besides the president not giving a shit and he doesn't, he was asleep. During uh, some of the speeches, he stood there. You know how out of touch he is? He was like, he was like, boy, this ground is hot. Yeah, because it was on fire for a week, you idiot. Like, people, people are dead. And you know what he said? Rob, you, you, you said this before we walked in here. He's in the speech, and uh, uh, Rob, you can bring it up. You know what he said, Pat? He goes, yeah, I could kind of feel your guys' pain. One time, lightning struck outside my house, and we thought the house was going to catch on fire. Hit electrical wire. Electrical wire. Ran into and, my house. And he goes, you know what? I, was, my, I thought I was going to lose my Corvette and my cat. Look how out of touch he is. Could you play that, Rob? Look at this. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. Yeah, it is. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake. It's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond. A big pond, not a lake. And yeah. hit yeah. a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning uh, uh, ducts. Uh, 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 make a long story short, please. I almost lost my wife. My 67 Corvette. <laughs> With the head documents and in my it. my cat. Yeah, and his cat. But all kidding Doc aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. <laughs> no, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. And... How out of touch... How out of touch can you be? There's a thousand children still missing, and you're like, you know what? I almost my cat and my Corvette almost were 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 destroyed. But Pat, going back the hell, to hell with him because he's 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 obviously completely out of touch and he's too old. The the response and everything that happened in Maui, everybody keeps calling me conspiracy, and it's, I think those guys have, those people have no arguments. So let's just get this straight: the guy in charge of Maui emergency management has no idea about anything about the management. The guy in charge of water in Maui shut the water off because God, it's, it was a spiritual thing. God told him so. The electric grid blew down. They didn't shut the power off. One of the world's best emergency siren systems didn't work. Pat just. Randomly that day it, it didn't work. Hawaii is surrounded by water. It's just it's it's unbelievable the amount of like nobody's doing their job. It's all so then when, when you say stuff like hey maybe it's almost like they wanted all this to go down for for this land grab. And Bob, another fun conspiracy fact: you know the police chief? He's also the coroner of that place. That's the same the Vegas guy. He's the coroner of 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 Hawaii. The guy, the, the Las Vegas guy that was in charge. It's just everything is adding up. And then, like I said last time, Pat, for them to be calling, uh, real estate people are calling these poor people and they're going, hey, listen, we want to buy your land. Please sell to us. And then we give them $700. Pat, be honest, your house burns down. What is $700 going to do for you and your family of five? Yeah, but the well, government wants to ban out-of-state property purchases to stop developers targeting wildfire uh, uh, raved ravaged Lahaina and pricing locals out. So there, 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 some of the things that's going on there, it's definitely very suspicious. I won't, uh, uh, I don't, uh, I won't sit there and disagree with that. Very suspicious what's going on. My, my bigger concern is 
The water thing, very weird. The water thing is very weird where they save the water. Have you? Do you have that clip, Rob, where the guy talks about saving the water instead of doing it for the fire? The equity? Yeah, it's just, I mean, what, what do you mean by you're saving the water for that instead of people, you know, getting killed? Literally, 100-something people are dead. Well, what's the number, 114? 114. And then President Biden gets up there and gives a speech like, like that's the speech I want to hear after I lost somebody? <laughs> now, think about it. Imagine you just lost somebody, not to natural death. You lose somebody to natural de- death, Yeah, totally get it. That's a different kind of a funeral. You lose somebody to addiction to drugs, different kind of a funeral. You lose somebody to a disaster, a natural disaster that could have been saved. This is horror. It, oh, it, my God. It, the, you, you now have someone to blame. You now have, like... The last thing you want is somebody to come and say, my Corvette almost burned down. You oh, know, My cat. My cat yeah. almost died. Look, this takes me back to how out of touch he is. When, when Martin Luther King got shot, RFK came up and gave a talk. And he said, look, here's the news. Martin Luther King has just been assassinated. And he pauses, lets them kind of go through. There are zero jokes. Zero. You don't tell jokes when people in front of you are lost people. You don't make a comparison to a car of yours. So my concern is more how you connect with the audience, how you respond as a leader, how quickly and swift you are to come over there, and you're taking your time to come there. You're not going to win people over like that. And uh, But it's been a normal pattern with him. It's not like it's a first time. Nobody in America should be surprised with the way he's responding to it. Tom, do you have any thoughts on this Hawaii deal? <clears throat> yeah, I think there's a <clears> – speculators were in New Orleans after Katrina – Speculators were in Naples, Florida, um, and Space Coast, that little town, Space Coast, that was absolutely obliterated part of the uh, hurricane a year ago. Speculators show up. And so I think that people are trying to throw a log on the fire there. I set that aside. They're going to show up. And I actually think it's good for the governor to say, hang on, nobody is selling anything for right now, Pat. I think that's a good move by the governor. Nobody is selling anything. Let's see if we can get you back on your feet. I step back into it and just say, how does the emergency services supposed to be serving the populace? I'm just stunned that how many of the emergency services failed all at once. The police failed on the evacuation plan once they knew they had their hands full. The sirens, the water, all of that failed. The speculators, I think the governor is making a good call there saying, nobody's selling anything. You're going to keep your houses and keep what's going on. Let's get you back on your feet. But I'm not worried about right that now. Finally, the governor is speaking up a little bit. Yeah, fine. And Pat, Pat we, we, we said they're going to 63%, almost 64% voted Democrat. What What is going on in your head that, especially after a situation like this and the president doing what he did, how do you still vote for Democrat, Tom? How, how Are you that loyal to a party that is showing you in real time that they don't give a shit about you? The day that this, it went down, they're approving $24 billion to Ukraine. And the people, because mainstream media is barely showing these people. Those videos I see on Twitter where the people of Maui, the people of Hawaii right. are are sick and tired of this shit, and you're still going to vote Democrat? Not to be glib, but it's... Uh, Do it, be glib, glib it up. No, it's habit and habit and addiction. Okay. So they're just stuck. You're, you're, you're still going to go on them like, I'm still loyal. You're addicted to the entitlements, Ugh. and it's generations of habit. And you can't be, and you're not willing to process 
the difference. Oh. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the next story. Right, I got, we'll, we'll, uh, so let's talk debate uh, on what's going on tomorrow. Did you have thoughts or no? Yeah, I was just going to add okay, one thing to, um, just to kind of give some context to, to what's going on here. Um, why people vote for Democrats or Republicans, I think people are fixated and they're basically um, aligned with their team. And that's just it is what it is. And there's 10 percent of Americans that contr control the country and they happen to be in four or five different cities, and we'll see how the election goes. We all know that. But here's um, the thing with um, Hawaii in this situation. I think every president has these moments that um, they fail. Uh, George Bush failed with Katrina. Uh, Donald Trump arguably failed with Puerto Rico. That's still an ongoing thing right there. Remember how he took a lot of criticism on how long it took for him to respond to the horrible disaster that, that, that happened in Puerto Rico. And just like... Uh, when George Bush went to visit Katrina, there were people sticking the middle finger up and giving him that. So let's not forget that. Just like when Trump went to uh, Puerto Rico and he was shooting jump shots with toilet paper or paper towels, he also received that backlash. And Biden deserves every ounce of this backlash because, as Pat pointed out, he failed and he did not respond quickly enough. And this is uh, incumbent on presidents of the United States to respond accordingly. Uh, I will also add that when it comes to vacations, uh, Biden's the goat. It's not even a question. He's, ki he's killing. He's killing the game right now. Um, but you know who was actually uh, what president in the last thirty years went on the least amount of vacations? The least. Take a guess. Trump. Obama. Not even close. It was Obama at thirty-eight. Bush went on over a hundred. Trump went on hundred and thirty-two. And Biden's at what number right now? Like two hundred and something yeah. right now. So the way that they break vacations down is pretty interesting. I did some research. So you have time at the White House. You have time at what's called the second White House, the vacation house for the White House, which is Camp David in, in Maryland. Then you also count foreign trips. So if you're not in the White House and you're traveling to Saudi Arabia or Japan or Israel, wherever it is, then you have your own properties. So for Trump, it's Mar-a-Lago. It's Bedminster, New Jersey. For uh, Biden, he's what, in Delaware. He's doing his thing. For uh, Obama, it's... Martha's Vineyard and, and um, for the Bushes, it was what, Texas, and then also up in the Northeast somewhere. And then there's actually just uh, full-on vacation time. So every president yeah, does I it. I don't know about that. The, the, the way they're oh. categorizing it, Trump worked out of Mar-a-Lago. Trump didn't want to sleep at the White House. They, 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 he actually called so, the White House a dump. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that, is not called, that is not called vacation. The guy, the day he got elected, the next, Puerto Rico, you may have a point there. I don't know what the exact timeline was with Puerto Rico. Uh, but if there was a guy that any time a crisis happened, he was there the next day, it's Trump. You can't say that about any of the guys we've had the last couple of decades. This guy showed up the next day. It doesn't matter where the crisis was. Yeah. He was always available, never turned down an interview, never turned down going to meeting with anybody else. That was not an area where he was uncomfortable with. He was never afraid of uh, controversy or opposition. That's not one of his flaws. He's got many flaws. That's not the flaw. The guy gets elected. The next day he's at the office interviewing people for jobs. Yeah. Who the hell does that? He got elected. The next day he's at the White House doing interviews with people. Romney came in, all those videos about different. He's not even waiting. You know, most people take a month off for all this other stuff. There's one guy that they can't talk about not working. It's this guy. He went to, didn't he go visit East Palestine and uh, uh, Biden never did? Didn't he go and visit the border and Biden never did? I mean, this guy went everywhere while he's not the president and the other guys are just kicking and not going to different places while crisis, crisis is happening. Even Obama didn't go to places and he's an ex-president and Trump's an ex-president. He's still paying a visit. Biden, uh, Obama's playing a very different game today than Trump is. Trump is still in the game. You can't compare work ethic. 
between those two guys. Biden needed, a, Obama needed a home to sleep at the White House. Trump's got 50 homes and different places to go visit. But I understand your point on possibly Puerto Rico and some of the other things. Okay, um, Trump has already recorded his debate night counter-programming interview with Tucker Carlson, sources say. 11, page 11. So sources say he's already recorded his uh, uh, interview with Tucker Carlson. Where's that one? Okay, so former President Donald has strategically recorded an interview with the ex-Fox News host Tucker Carlson, earmarked as counter-programming for the forthcoming GOP presidential debate. He has chosen to abstain from Trump's aim to skip the debate while engaging in an alternative discourse as he will be at his club in Bedminster, Jersey, the night of the debate. According to Trump's senior campaign advisor, Jason Miller, Trump's confidence in his popularity and accomplishments was evident in a Truth Social post last Thursday where he justified his absence by stating, people know my record, one of the best ever, so I, would I, why would I debate? I'm your man, make America great again. And another story comes up from WSJ. Trump holds a 23-point lead over DeSantis in Iowa. The Iowa poll highlighted that Trump's uh, commanding 23-point lead over Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the Republican presidential nominating contest with 42% of the likely caucus goers favors Trump and 19% supporting DeSantis. So thoughts on him not doing the debate. I have a different kind of a thought on him not doing the debate. Well, like Pat, in like in, in Olympics, when you qualify for the Olympics or like a team makes it to the play, you don't you rest, you bench your your star players. You don't want them to get hurt. Why would why would you go in there and go through all this when you're already number 1? I think it's smart, I think it's tactical and you know, why why go out there and waste all your all your ammunition when you you're already in first place? You know what I mean? I don't think I think I think him going up there and messing up would hurt him in the eyes of the people, and like he, he doesn't want to waste his time. I think, I think this is actually a good move. <clears throat> it's kind of funny. You know, we get into the playoffs and professional sports, and the best teams get a bye week. Yeah. And I think what he's just saying mm-hmm. here, hey, I'm going to take the bye week and let these people go through the preliminary playoffs on their own, which is effectively what's happening here. There's a side of me that wants to see him go out and clear the decks and be the man that he is and to lay it on the line and clear the decks. There's a part of me that wants to do that. But there's another part of me that understands he's like, look, this is the preliminary part of the playoffs here. I'm taking a bye week. Yeah, I fully agree with the bye week situation. He's in first place. He deserves to, you know, sit this uh, first sit debate out. out. I don't actually don't think this debate would actually help him too much in the polls. I think if he did show up, you would have knives out from Mike Pence, Chris Christie, uh, DeSantis for sure. The list goes on. And if he takes some uh, friendly fire, let's say, it would not be exactly a good look for Trump on that regard. I, th- I think he's almost a shoe in to be the candidate for the Republican nomination. I think this would not help him. Uh, I think he's making a good decision by sitting this out. He's going to go get a ton of eyeballs on Tucker and uh, and do that thing. Uh, by the way, also shout out to Jason Miller, our buddy, uh, kind of holding down the Fort and Trump camp. I like that guy a lot, so uh, I'll go with that. And Pat, where, where's the where's the Twitter? Uh, is the tr- uh, Tucker thing going to be on Twitter? Where's that going to oh, be? Yeah, here? he's going to post oh, it on yeah. Twitter. All of Tucker's Twitter. stuff is on Twitter. Gotcha. Tucker's show is on Twitter. How much number? How many numbers you think? If you had to guess, how many numbers are going to watch? Easily hundred million plus, because Musk is going to retweet it. Easily hundred million plus. Wow. Pat, what are, what are your thoughts? Do you think uh, this is a good move that Trump is not uh, going to this debate? What do you think? I think timing-wise is like all this. 
only reason I would say it makes sense for him to sit it out is timing-wise because they're trying to go arrest him, do all of that stuff now, okay? Mm -hmm. So he's not going to have enough time to see reactions. He's a counterpuncher, so he kind of wants to see what the market's going to say. He doesn't like surprises. Mm -hmm. Not that he's not going to do bad with surprises. They're going to try to surprise him with a lot of different things. He'll come out attacking. So go through each. Let's just say he was on the debate stage. Let's play it, okay? Go through each one of them. Um, he will put Mike in his place within seconds. Mike will be irrelevant. He's the only guy in the last seven months since January whose Twitter following has decreased. Oh, since You're talking about Pence, right? Pence yeah, is the yeah. only guy whose Twitter following has decreased. The that, fly on his head has more followers, I heard. The fly yeah. that was on the last time. So what is he going to do to him? <laughs> Go to the next person. Chris Christie. Chris Christie's going to say a couple things. Chris Christie's probably going to get under Trump's skin, oh, yeah. and he'll piss him off a little bit. So he's probably... Doesn't want to f deal with Chris Christie. That's and probably the most annoying one. Yeah, he, he's the with. one that helped him prepare for the debate. Yeah, Chris yeah. Christie. He's not, yeah. He knows what he's doing. So Chris Christie's going to probably be right. the annoying one, but still, he would get Trump's. Singer. Trump's going to have. Trump's going to get the comeback on him. And then who else you got outside? Tim you Scott. Got, Tim Scott is nice. Nothing's going to happen with Tim Scott. DeSantis, he's uh, he's going to go after DeSantis. Vivek's not going to do anything at uh, him. Nope. And then am I missing somebody? I feel like I'm missing Tim somebody. Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. Like, Nikki, Nikki Haley, Haley, whatever, Vanilla. Uh, Suarez, I don't know if he's going to be in it. Suarez I think gonna he's going to be. Love to see him, though. Yeah, would love to see him. Yeah, he's hit the numbers. Asa Hutchinson, and then also so no you have the, uh, the, um, the other guy, which. The governor of yeah, yeah. Uh, North Dakota. What is the guy's name? Uh, That's bottom the problem left. if you don't know his yeah. name. <laughs> so, so okay, so let's 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 transition into the debate. So, Brandford. give predictions. What do you think is going to happen with the debate? Who do you think is going to come out? Who do you think is going to be, like you know, if you're just looking at this right now, give your one, two, three, four. Give who's going to come out surprising with the plus minus. Meaning, this person's going to have a plus. That person's going to have a minus. This person's going to stay neutral. And XYZ is going to have the biggest plus. How would you rate it? Wow. Okay, I think Vivek, number one, is going to be the star. What, what we've biggest seen. plus, you're I think thinking. the biggest plus Got is going to be Vivek. He's just, I mean, from being on our town hall, this guy is everywhere, and I've listened to as much content as I can. He is an encyclopedia of knowledge and his attitude and his family. He's just a G. I think he's going to go. He'll be number one. Wow, I think Tim Scott, uh, number two, uh, I love his attitude. He doesn't give a damn. He just tells it how it is. Um, descent, I don't know, dude. Three? Uh, I would say, yo, Chris Christie. I put Chris Christie because he has a big attitude. Three? I would put him at three because what I don't think DeSantis, I don't think DeSantis is gonna have that fire. I haven't seen anything from DeSantis. The only time I've seen DeSantis with that little attitude is when he's trying to act like Trump with the media during during COVID. I put Tim Scott, I put Christie. Then I put uh, DeSantis. I think it'll be later on in the debate, so I'll try to get a little bit. Rob, why don't you run a poll? How many names can you put on the poll just to see what the audience can say? Is it four or can you do five, six? Say, tell me if it's more than four, then I'll give you the names. So, so Pat, Vivek, uh, Vivek, Scott, Christy, uh, DeSantis, Adam, what Haley. Do you think? I put Haley. So, uh, four, Pat. You can do four. Well, then if I it's think four, do Vivek, do DeSantis, do Tim Scott? Do you want to do Christie or Pence? I think Christie. I think you put Pence for sure. He's not going to be. He's and then, and then Christie, not Tim well, Scott. Well, That's my opinion. You think so? Okay, why don't you do Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Vivek, and DeSantis? But go ahead. Damn, Pence, did, former VP, can't even make trash. the list. He's trash. Uh, number one, I think um, Vivek is an absolute superstar. I think he's going to hold his own for sure on that stage. But I've said it before and I've said it again. I think his ceiling is... 
uh, is pretty low just because uh, if you're trying to win the Mike Pence white Christian evangelical vote, I think they're going to have a hard time voting for a brown Hindu boy. Uh, I just think that's my opinion. And but I, by the by way, the way, you're not alone there. A lot of people are with yeah. you there. Just just by vote. the way, I would vote for that guy in an instant. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm, this is not a self reflection. By the way, if he would never do it, but if he did run as a Democrat, he would be Obama straight up. One thousand percent. He's that Talks good, like him. but with business acumen. So maybe. Uh, so you're thinking Republicans will not embrace him? I, I don't think the base of the Republican Party yeah. will. Certainly MAGA. Uh, I think DeSantis is going to do his thing, straight up. I think DeSantis has been prepared for this. I think he's ready for this. I think uh, he's going to shine. And he doesn't um, necessarily have Trump coming after him there. So we all forget about DeSantis, that he was neck and neck with Trump about six months ago. And I think he's going to do his thing. And then I'll give you my sleeper. North Dakota governor, his name is Doug uh, Burgum. And uh, he runs on three things. He talks about American independence. He talks about... um, getting out of debt and he just talks about uh american greatness and he just kind of stays in his lane he does his thing he's a great communicator so i think he's a sleeper guy i think that tim scott has got no chance i think mike pence has got no chance i think chris christie's got no chance i think that nikki haley's vying for a potential uh vp role and uh you know they're just going to clear the field and at the end of the day it's going to be Trump, DeSantis, Vivek, and whatever cast of characters. Isn't you that throw basically in there. it? Uh, Pat, isn't this basically the vice president? Well, no. Here's the thing you have to realize, guys. I mean, it, it, the, the the thing about from, from my experience, last 20 years, I've not been in politics for last however many years. It's been 20 years. Yeah. A lot. How many times do you see a Walker? Oh, he's gonna do this, and then boom, he fizzles. Oh, he's Marco Walker, Rubio, yeah. and then boom. So, hey, Jeb Bush, and then boom. Oh, yeah. you know. So you, you you don't you you don't know. I mean, at this point, John Kerry should have been president. Romney should have been president. God knows how many people should have been president. Call this, this thing is very hard. And don't forget Herman Cain, nine nine nine. He went up to 18 percent. Newt Gingrich went to 21 percent. Ross Pearl went to 19%. So there's a lot of stuff that could happen. And a couple of these guys behind closed doors have been preparing the most. The one that's been having the biggest sparring match of going out there doing his thing is Vivek. You got to give that guy credit. Go ahead, Tom. <clears throat> so I look at a couple things here. I think that Chris Crincy is going to go on that stage and surprise a lot of people. He's bold. He's brash. He can be very... He, he looks like the guy you want in your corner when the chips are down, you know? And so I think there'll be a little bit of perception on that. So I think he's going to do well. I think Pence, completely out the door. Nothing will change there. I think Scott and Nikki Haley will be tied with, wow, what an interesting, smart person. I think America will get introduced to Francis Suarez. There'll be some people say, wow, I can see how Miami's turned around. That guy seemed kind of smart. But I, I don't think it'll come up above radar. I think this is Vivek and DeSantis. That's what I think is at the top of this thing. So, Tom, when you say Chris DeSantis Chris- is going to be overprepared and he is going to take shots from everybody, and we're going to find out if he's a counterpuncher. Chris Christie's a counterpuncher. If Chris Christie took the kind of shots that everybody's going to throw at DeSantis, I think it would surprise because I think Chris Christie can fight back in that kind of a, okay. a debate. Here's a question for you Which of them you think is. Going to be targeting each other at the stage? Which of them you think is going to go after Trump? Which of them you think is going to go after uh, Biden? Mm. Vivek's not going to go after Trump. Vivek's going to go after DeSantis, and Vivek will blunt, um, I think, Christie and Scott. That, I think, is his playbook. Christie's going to go after Trump, and then he's going to try to mm. blunt DeSantis and Vivek. What do you think DeSantis is going to do? I think DeSantis is going to be overprepared, try to get his talking No, point. no, no. I got that, Tom. You think DeSantis is going to go after Trump, Biden, or Vivek? 
DeSantis should just go after DeSantis is going to go after Biden, but he's also going to go after Vivek and try to blunt him because he's got momentum. Uh, and no Trump? You don't think he's gonna, DeSantis is going to talk about Trump? I don't I, think DeSantis needs to talk about Trump. I think that's what his people think. He's not on the stage. Don't need to talk about him. Only defeat the people that are there. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, DeSantis is 100% going to go after Trump after this listless vessel, you know, MAGA. You saw the stat that, that most uh, a percentage, I'll let you, Pat, give the numbers, that uh, now uh, revere Trump more than Jesus. Shout out to you guys out there that think that way. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting. I think DeSantis is going to go straight towards MAGA. He's he's going to need MAGA, but he's going to try to, you know, uh, pierce that situation. But I, I think that that um, Christie should try to punch. I'm sorry, um, DeSantis should try to punch up, but not punch down. Vivek is an oncomer, but I don't think he has the uh, the upside that DeSantis has. So, and then the rest of them are sort of irrelevant. Tom, here's a question. I don't want to counter what you said, but I want to process something because we've all kind of said it. How does DeSantis go after Trump, but also win the MAGA voter? Yeah, that's, we're about to find out. Yeah. That's why I don't think he's going to go after him hard. I think he's got to go win the MAGA voter. It's too late. No, he's, he's in too deep. Listen, when you come out and... You know, like this Dylan Dennis guy, which we'll get into with the Logan Paul and Jake Paul. When oh, you put one pick, what's his name? Dylan Dennis. Dylan Dennis. Dennis, yeah. What nationality is he, by the way? Latino? Is he? Okay. Is, so when, when, when you post a picture of a guy once, you can't delete it. You're in. He's American. Okay. Then you go second, third, fourth. So DeSantis has already taken shots at Trump. Mm -hmm. It's not, you can't go back now and play, well, I changed my mind. I actually have a lot of respect and admiration for him. I don't know if you guys saw what Trump posted yesterday on his Instagram account and his Truth Social account. He posted a video of all the times DeSantis spoke highly about Trump. Did you see that? Brilliant. Everything that DeSantis said that was good about Trump uh, 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 tr uh, Trump, he put it up there and he says, hi, I'm Donald Trump and I endorse this message, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's playing that game, which is great. But I want to read this, uh, uh, what do you call it? Trump's campaign bills DeSantis's listless vessels remark as deplorables moment, similar to what Hillary Clinton had. But uh, here's, uh, uh, Rob, I think it may even be better if you just play the clip than me reading all this stuff. The Trump campaign criticized Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis' comparison of Republican Supporting Trump uh, to listless vessels. If you have it, just play it. Liking it to Hillary Clinton's deplorables comment. DeSantis made the comment in an interview with the Florida Standard saying, if we all are listless vessels that are just supposed to follow whatever happened to come down the pile on Truth Social every morning, that's not going to be a durable movement. Jason Miller, a Trump advisor, drew parallels. Stating on X, looks like Ron DeSanctimonious just had his basket of deplorables moment. Not good. Trump campaign spokesperson Stephen Chunk said DeSantis is now running the same failed playbook as Hillary Clinton. Uh, go ahead and play it. We, we, we have a strand in our, in our party that views supporting Trump as whether you are um, a, a rhino or not. And so you could be the most conservative person since sliced bread unless you're kissing his rear end. They will somehow call you a rhino. So it's been totally detached from principle and what you actually believe and results. And it's more about, you know, just what faction you happen to do. So there'll be people uh, who are huge Trump supporters, like in Congress, who have like incredibly liberal left wing records that that's really just atrocious. And yet they're viewed as by, by some of these folks as like as like really, really good. Then you have other people, you know, like a congressman, Chip Roy, who's endorsed me. 
Congressman Thomas Massey. These guys have records of principle fighting the swamp that are second to none, and yet they will be attacked by some of these people and, and called rhinos. Uh, so it's just been totally detached from any type of substance. And ultimately, a movement can't be about the personality of one individual. The movement has got to be about what are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people. And that's got to be based in principle. Uh, because if you're not rooted in principle, uh, if all we are is listless vessels that's just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, th- that's not going to be a durable movement. Adam. Uh, well, if you look at the definition of listless, do you know what listless means? Nobody's behind the wheel? No, it actually means uh, lacking energy or enthusiasm or having, ready, wait for it, Pat, lethargy. Okay? <laughs> lethargy. So, <laughs> being lethargic. So if there's one thing you'll say about the MAGA crowd, they are not listless. They are fired up. They love their Trump. Um, that's their guy. It's you know Some may say that it's a cult of personality, uh, but they are anything but non uh energetic that's for sure and a lot of them are pissed off they're scorned uh and they have every right to be at the same time i also do agree with what desantis is saying is that even if trump wins four years later if you're just in this tribal cult of personalities who's your guy you know four years ago you loved mike pence now you hate him two years ago you loved ronda sanctimonious now you hate him so if everything with maga is just with trump What's next? So I do think that um, uh, Ron DeSantis sort of screwed up in this. This was his deplorables moment. But uh, if if it is all just based on Trump, if it is all just based on Trump's personality, what's the next four years look like once Trump is out? So is it uh, Don Jr.? Is it Ivanka? Who knows? So that's what that's. But, but by the way, you're right in the area of there are those that don't see him being able to do anything right. For example, this article comes out, CBS News poll shows Trump voters trust Trump more than family and religious leaders. Indictments have become a rallying factor. CBS poll reveals, Rob, if you can pull this up, despite facing legal challenges, former President Donald Trump maintains a strong lead in every poll. Voters have rallied around Trump, even amid multiple indictments, with 38% perceiving the indictment as politically motivated against him, Trump supporters have expanded with 62% of likely Republican primary voters favoring him, up from 61% in June, while Governor DeSantis stands at 16%. Notably, 71% of Trump supporters trust him more than family, friends, or religious leaders, believing that he tells them generally the truth. Trump supporters emphasizing their reasons for backing him, a belief that uh, things are better under his administration, his advocacy for people like them, 95%, and their familiarity with him. So there is a community there, but I'm going to give you uh, uh, purely from the strategy standpoint. Uh, We moved here because of Governor DeSantis, okay? We, my family, is here because of Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, I moved, this is the only state where we moved, I'm going to keep saying this, where I moved my wife, my kids, my dad, and my sister. I never moved my family to Texas. I could have done it in a heartbeat. I never moved my family to Texas. And when Paulette would say, I would say, I would move here. I don't know if I'm going to be here long term. I'm just telling you, I wouldn't move here. I was just straight up. I'm not one that says, hey, move, let's do this. And then I changed my mind. And then now you're screwed with all the money you spend. Now let's go to the next place because I'm going to do what's best for me. Don't move here. I may not be here long term, but I'm going to move. And Florida is, no, I'm here. Credit goes to him. So sometimes, uh, for example, sometimes you have a player you like a lot, 
And you want to see this player make the decisions you want him to make that maybe you would have made, okay? And it's kind of unfair to the player, but also that's the relationship of a fan, supporter, and a player. For example, so I like, uh, 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 I really want to see what Zion Williamson's going to do. To the point where I invest into his most expensive card. I own it. I have it. It's a beautiful card. I like it. Do I like the way Zion lives his life? Absolutely not. Would I like to see him change the way he lives his life? 100%. Am I disappointed that this guy has played less games in his first, whatever, three and a half years, some data showed, less than Greg, o- what was Greg Odin? Greg Odin, Greg yeah. Odin Number one from pick, Ohio Portland. State. Yeah. What are you doing? And you're going out there getting porn stars pregnant? Like, who? What are you, you're not listening to him? So, okay, you know what? Yeah, yeah I'm not going to. So, even though I'm in a half a million. Yeah. Okay? Even Jeez. though I'm like, I'm in in this guy. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I don't like the way you're doing certain things. So there is a logic to saying, dude, I wish if this guy would have made better decisions, he could be an MVP candidate averaging 30. He's a 30-10-6 guy. You don't find a lot of 30-10-6 guys. He's a better version of the a version of the guy from Blake Griffin. He can be a better Blake Griffin. He can be like a Barkley slash, you know, 43-inch vertical leap with a massive body that he has. But I'm not happy with the way he handled himself. Okay, I got four kids. I want to see my kids do well. They make bad decisions. I don't support their decisions. I'm not sitting there saying, I like the decision you made. The part that is is uncomfortable with me and DeSantis is, again, logically, on every single golf score, he leads the way. If I have to pay any of these candidates to have somebody lead with the right policies who can go deep on knowledge, DeSantis is my number one guy, way ahead of Trump. Way ahead of, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, Vivek. Vivek, way ahead, way ahead of Pence. Of Pence way, ahead of, way ahead of any of these guys. But I'll give you the other part. If I have to, based on working with people in sales the last 23 years, when I sit down with somebody who's pompous, you know how you feel pompous energy very quickly? You, 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 you feel the energy of somebody that just thinks they're better than you, they're smarter than you. And by the way, most of the time, they may be. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're not. They're maybe. Tom is... Yesterday, I said this story. I think I was saying it to Peter or somebody upstairs in a meeting. I said, listen, when it comes on to raising capital, if somebody calls me and says, hey, Pat, I want to put a pitch deck together and I want to raise money, who should I hire with David Consulting? Not me. Go talk to Tom. Tom's the best guy to learn how to write a pitch deck. Tom's done a couple billion dollars of raising money, capital exits. Tom's the guy to talk to. I'm not the guy you should talk to when it comes on to the details of lawyers. Tom, one time, he did something that was so interesting. We're on a call with lawyers. He says, Pat, you need to know this. If they use these three words on a call with you, they're asking for this. Just be ready. We do a call. They use one of those three words. We get off the call. Just letting you know this call is coming up. They're going to try to do X, Y, Z, reprice, pop, pop, pop. Be ready for the Zoom. I'm in Monaco. We get on the Zoom. 20-plus people are on the call, and it goes in that direction. What do I say on the call? Guys, uh, just so you know, I'm not interested. If we move any of the stuff that's here, I'm out. Just letting you guys know. I'm not interested. Okay. Great. Fair enough. We're going to stay where we're at. No problem. We got off the phone. Everybody called me saying, I don't know if I would have ever done what you did because you just cost yourself. Maybe you risk $50, $200 million. I don't know if I would have done it that way. I don't know if you remember that call with Greg, you know, Mar- you know, a bunch of people we had to call together with. But that's Tom. Tom's specialty is that. If you want to raise capital, go talk to Tom. However, then there is the ability to sell the dream, sell the cause, sell the audience. You know, you know when, uh, 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 f- for example, you know when 
you have a friend like I'm, you know, I've gone through this in different phases of my life and it's kind of annoying when you go through because you hope this doesn't happen. Um, there comes a time in your life where you're competing, where you're at the same level as a couple of your peers, coworkers. And let's just say it's comedy. Let's just say it's insurance. Let's just say it's party life. Let's just say it's marriage. Let's just say it's parents or business or whatever. And this is the one area where you have to be very careful on what happens here. And all of a sudden, one of the comedians gets a job on a movie. Yeah. Instead of celebrating for your friend, you secretly become envious. Let me tell you, it will not be a secret for too long. Hmm. It will be felt. Let's say we're doing different podcast talents here. We're about to, we made seven offers last week to different talents. We'll see which one's going to end up working out. But we made seven offers last week to talent. One came on board. One's going to come in the next week or two. He's starting. But we got another seven that we made offers for. Let's say we start doing this. Vinny, what if all of a sudden you get to 6 million subscribers and you're blown up? If Adam is secretly envious, that's a problematic issue. Let's just say Adam all of a sudden takes off and he goes to 6 million. That's not Adam's DNA. But let's just say Adam goes to 6 million subscribers and his show's popping. And you're like, I don't like the fact. Let's just say Tom beats both of you guys. Yeah. And BizDoc just takes off. Vice versa. In life, certain people are going to have levels of success above others that you eventually have to say. Like, I had a friend of mine, Steve Avetian. Dude, I, I wanted so bad to be a good basketball player. I freaking sucked. But you know what it was? Dude, I loved watching Steve play. Yeah. I would ask my dad that I would see him once a month. I would say, Dad, even though we only have one day to spend time together, can, can come down to Glendale. You have to watch this guy play. He's the Armenian Michael Jordan. Wow. We would sit there and watch Steve play. It was freaking awesome. When I watch his highlight videos, I'm freak, I get the chills all over my body. When I heard Armand, my friend, went to Cal State Long Beach, got a degree in mathematics, became a professor at freaking Pasadena Community College, two guys that you would have never thought doing what they're doing, and then now he's running the operations of the number one Persian restaurant in the world, him and his family, what he's done with Rafi's play. I freaking love seeing celebrating their successes. It's a great feeling. The other day, these two Armenian guys came to family, you know, the, oh, the basketball, basketball player, player. Oh. who I said, I hope you're able to do a few different things to get into the NBA, oh. play for the Clippers, Amazing. hit the shots. You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. We want to have lunch with these guys. Yeah. Man, I love seeing these guys play. But guess what? Some people are better than you. So, where is the challenge here? Man, some of these guys that are trashing Trump wish they can be loved and enamored the way he is by his following. And they're so envious because they cannot replicate that. So when you say, you know, when it comes on to voting, has, can, it cannot be around the personality of the individual. No, it is. You have to sell the dream. It is around your personality. You can try to dodge that all you want. To run the country, it is a, forget about Biden. Biden's an anomaly on how he became a president. The only reason Biden's the president is he was fourth place in Iowa caucus or New Hampshire, one of those, but he was fourth place he was in New Hampshire. Not first. The president was fourth in New Hampshire. How the hell are you fourth? And a last-minute calls made behind closed doors on Tuesday. Pete drops, uh, uh, Amy drops, Elizabeth Warren drops, and Bernie, who was ahead, like he was doing good in many. These guys dropped to get behind Biden. Who made that phone call? That's not capitalism. That's not free market. That's somebody can control. So Biden's not a president because he has got the qualities of being a president. Biden's the president because the people behind him said, pick that guy. He's the president. We'll control him for four years. It is what it is. Take him out. Obama sold the dream. Clinton sold the dream. Bush was able to sell the dream, and Al Gore sold the nightmare. Go to uh, Bush Sr. Could no longer sell the dream. 
He was so much about, I'm a better policy guy. I'm a director of CIA. I'm a this. Guess what? America said, I don't relate to you. Ronald Reagan sold a dream. Jimmy Carter sold a nightmare. John F. Kennedy sold a dream. If you can't sell the dream, you are not going to get the job of the number one guy. Unless if behind closed doors somebody gets indicted and gets arrested, it's not going to happen. So my challenge to the DeSantis camp, if, they're, if anybody from their camp is watching this, few basic tips if I'm talking to Ron. Look at the camera and talk to the American people and sell me the dream. Sell me what I'm concerned about. Earlier, I challenged Adam a little bit when he's talking to only the single crowd. Talk to me if I'm married with kids. Talk to me about my concerns when I'm praying with my kids last night. Talk to me about my stresses with my wife and I when we're arguing at night about we got to take our kids out of public school because we're uncomfortable with the stuff that's happening in different schools. Talk to me for the worries that we have. What's going to happen with these interest rates, 7%? I can't afford to buy a house. Car prices are 20 Talk to me. Talk to me. Sell me the dream why the future looks bright, why America is the greatest country in the world, why we cannot lose to these other guys. China and all these, no matter what they think they're doing, we are the country that has led the way for the world. Sell me the dream. Sell me the dream. Talk to me. Not in a scripted fashion. Just damn it. Talk to me. Set aside the card. Set aside the teleprompter. Speak from your heart. Talk about the fact when you were a kid and growing up and how you had to overcome certain challenges and eventually became who you became today. The American people want to be sold a dream. So a lot of these guys that are going out there talking, the reason why Vivek is creating so much momentum is because he's selling a dream. Everybody else is bitching at each other. Chris Christie's not going to be the president. Why? Because he's trying to beat you. He's trying to beat you. Vivek is selling the dream. Mike Pence wants a job or he wants to seek revenge. You ain't going to be a president seeking revenge. You're just a freaking pawn on a chess table. Nobody likes you from the other side. They're just using you and they're winning. Tim Scott potentially could have a, a job on the administration, but maybe he's kind of showing up to say, I want to win the championship in 2028. I want to be a future president. Then show up, Tim. Show up. Sell us the dream. But I think DeSantis got to come up and say, hey, I'm your guy. Here's who I am. This is your opportunity, Ron, because if Trump was there, 30% of the minutes would be spent with Trump. Show up. Thank God Trump is not there for DeSantis because I think this is his only chance to steal the show. If he doesn't, it's over because the next debate, Trump's going to show up and it's no, everyone's going to target Trump because whether it's going to be CNN, MSNBC, or Fox, the board is going to say, you better ask the most questions from Trump because that's what get, get, gets us the eyeballs. People coming to watch a debate for Trump. They're not coming to watch it for everybody else. So guess what? You just lost 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. You just lost an additional 11 minutes. Use your minutes wisely. Use your minutes wisely. Talk to me. Sell the dream. I believe. I'm telling you this with this uh, debate that's coming up tomorrow in Milwaukee. I believe this is the chance to uh, make a comeback. And the comeback show has to be tomorrow. If you're able to talk to my heart more instead of just my brain, Ron, you talk to people's brain a lot. Most people don't make decisions with their brains. Talk to my heart. Speak to my heart. Speak to me with what I'm going through. If you can tug at my heart. And get me to say, freaking A, man. You know what? Uh, he ain't perfect. He ain't this. He ain't that. But I got to tell you, I just, I like that. I relate to him. You know, I like him. Then he's going to have a plus minus tomorrow, following day. And then go and do the 50 podcasts that you haven't done. You know how many podcasts Vivek has done already? 60 plus. <laughs> 60 Damn. plus he's done. You know how many podcasts some of these other guys have done? I don't know how many podcasts they've done. 
This guy's done 60 plus and he keeps climbing and he's selling the dream. So, um, we're going to learn a lot tomorrow, and I hope some of these guys show up. Uh, I would love to see Ron make a massive vertical leap tomorrow, but I don't know who's in his ear, and I don't know what they're telling him. I think he needs to spend a couple hours today in the bathroom away from everybody hmm. just talking to himself, literally talking to himself, reflecting, writing notes. Why are you doing this, Ron? Go back to that instead of I have to prove him and I have to no. Today, it's you and one other person. You know who the other person is, Ron? The American people. It's you and them. One-on-one. If you win there, you're going to have a spike. And that 46-point lead that Trump has maybe goes down to 31 or 32 or 33. And then you go on 50, 60, 80, 100 different podcasts the next three months. The next six months, not going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of work. And then people are going to say, this guy's a human being. I relate to him. I can do him. Because if you don't, Trump's going to be the candidate, and it's going to be over. I agree. You know, I, I think staying up, that, amazing. You you put it perfectly. Like th- that's what I think he's missing. Pat is a person like you sitting down with him this entire time and telling him the hell with the script. Look mm-hmm. at the American people. You can look in the camera and, like you said, Pat, look into people's hearts. Think about his story, his childhood, the the military, working with the Navy SEALs, his wife having cancer, beating it. There's the story. What he did with COVID. Yeah, the hell with everybody else. Just mm-hmm. talking to the person I think is, like, mind you, Pat, if he had you this entire yeah. time, it'd be a whole, but, it'd but, be neck and neck. But with he Trump. has it. He has it. Like He has the fire. You, you, no, he, I've seen this guy freaking fight, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Show up. Look, you, you, you know, there are those that are 100% Trump, okay? There are those that are 100% DeSantis. There are those that are 100% anti-Republican. So it doesn't matter if it's Biden or anybody. They're just anti-Republican. I'm not talking to you. There are those that are kind of like, look, man, I honestly don't want to vote for Biden. I'd like to vote for somebody else. Can Republicans just give me another option outside of Trump? Okay, those guys that are like, I'm willing to vote for somebody else, just not Trump. Because I don't think, okay, there are those that want RFK, but they don't believe RFK is going to be there at the end. But, but, but the, point, the point here is this guy's shown fight. He's got it. He just sometimes sounds like he talks to people. He talks at people. Stop talking at people, man. Talk to me. Stop preaching at me. Just talk to me. Speak to me. Pause. Tell me a story. Connect with me. That's all I want from you. Do that. You're smart. You're brilliant. Your background is sick. But that's the one area he needs to address. He addresses it's going to be good. I want to hit one more story before we wrap up. Unless if you guys got any 15-second comment. Uh, look, like, you crushed that thing. One. I think, okay. yeah, I I think Ron DeSantis needs to watch that clip That's of PBD a, right now. Yeah. Listen, maybe, <laughs> maybe he's in the bathroom by himself. Yeah. Maybe in four years, but David Consulting will offer campaign consulting. Hey, I don't hey, know. I Stay tuned. All right. Maybe. So let's go, uh, let's go to the next thing here. So this whole thing with Logan Paul and, and Jake Paul, <laughs> I want to kind of go into this. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't want to get into the Dylan uh, Danis guy with the pictures, although that's a mess that he's posting all the pictures of Logan Paul's girl that he's uh, 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 he, uh, uh, about the engagement thing? and all that stuff. He's posting all these pictures. And he's got a picture that he says, if I post it, it's game over. I may even go to jail. I may get in trouble. And he said he shared a picture with Andrew Tate. And Andrew Tate retweeted, and he says, look, I've been following Dylan Dennis, all the stuff he's saying about Logan. If he does share this picture, it is going to be ugly. And yesterday, oh, Dylan said, God. if I get to 2 million followers on Instagram, I'm going to post it. I think he's at 1.9 million followers. Oh, I don't God. know where he's at. So he posted before the fight. I think he just landed in London. It's going to be ugly. But here's the one I want to talk about. Logan Paul and Jake Paul. Rob, do you have the clip of Logan and Jake Paul? 
arguing over Nick Diaz and arguing over uh, uh, what do you call it? You didn't bring the drink in, and you didn't let me. Say, so what? Get over it. You know, sometimes you just like to play both sides and all this stuff. They're going yeah. back and forth. Yeah. I want to give my thoughts on there, and I want to get your thoughts as well. If you have that clip of of uh, uh, the two of them, that, that's the one right there. But it, it, it's got to be a shorter one. It's not giving it to you. It, just type in Logan and Paul. Just type in Logan and Jake. That's all you have to type in. Just type in Logan Jake. No, no, not and. Take the word and out. Like I'm. Yeah, that's right. Just put Logan Jake. There you go. So, so if we see what pops up, uh, no, that's, uh, not the one. Uh, that's not the one. Go a little higher on media. Go higher. Go higher. Go higher. Um, and I wish we had this prepared because I really had a, a couple thoughts I wanted to share. It's not your fault, Rob. I didn't tell you about this. It's my fault. Because well, um, just break down, Pat. There, he's arguing because yeah, uh, but because his brother Logan walked into the the stadium to his fight, which he was told contractually. You cannot come in with any product, but Logan, they stopped him, Pat, and they said, you can't come in here with your with your prime drink. And his brother's like, I'm your brother. It's a contract. You were told not to. He goes, yeah, but it's, he was like, I'm a Rob, businessman. I found it. I'm texting it to you. Go ahead. Yeah, keep no, saying I'm it. Yeah, but, uh, he's like, but I'm a businessman. He goes, yeah, but listen, I am your brother. It's not like it's my decision. We have a branding. They're spending millions of dollars. You can't bring in. I'm sorry. There's a stipulation that you can't bring in. Okay, the I prime just gave you the video. Yeah. So, and Pat, but think about it. As a brother, you can't. You're yeah. my brother. You can't do it. So if you if you look at the video, I just texted you two of them. First play the yeah. first one that I send you with the drink wrap. I texted both of you guys. Uh, I text both of them to you. Uh, yeah, that's the one first. If you can play that first. Okay, so here's what happened. Logan and Jake have a big falling out. Apparently, a falling out. Over a podcast they did together, and the world is reacting to this. Obviously, this whole mess that's going on with Dylan Dennis posting the pictures of his ex, and not his ex, his current fiance that he engaged to, and she's dated all these different Nina guys, Agdo. the way Dylan's putting in. What's Black her name? Count. Her name is Nina Agdo. I actually know her very well. She's from Miami. Oh, really? Okay, fantastic. Oh, really? I, I could go down the path here as oh, long as you God. want me to go okay. with that. Well, that's, that's, so by know. the way, say that on SauceCast. Okay, oh, that's I will. The, the, so, <laughs> so now, so, here, so here's the part. So here's the part with this. So Dylan is saying, if I get to $2 million, I'm going to post a picture. If the world sees that they're going to go crazy, Andrew Tate sees the picture, and he says, if he does, this guy's going to get in trouble. Here's the exchange between Logan and Jake. Go ahead and play this. I would get kicked out if I brought a prime bottle to the stadium. That's f***ing ridiculous, dude. Yeah, get over it. Meanwhile, Come on, me I'm your brother building a oh, business. Oh, yeah, you're, you're my brother building who's, a business. You love to play both sides, who's bro. Who's yielded What's the, what other you side play both sides. What other side am I playing? You play both sides, What's and it's the like other? you want to partner with Dana White and KSI. My life is all, my life. Your life is your life. I'm going to take these opportunities. When we as brothers no longer become additive to each other, and it feels like... You or I are trying to take from one another. Well, when it's convenient for you, we're brothers. But then when it's not, you do the exact opposite of like, we are completely separate. So like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do as well. I don't know if I always have to yield and bend my personal ways because we are brothers. And that's the sole reason. They said okay, I would get so now play the other one that I texted you. The other one is what uh, uh, he says, Logan says about the fight that he turned down with uh, he was supposed to fight Diaz. Rob, if you have it, uh, 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 is this the one? Okay, good. So if you can play this clip here, this is with him talking about... Go ahead. Fury's on my f***ing radar. You're not even a fighter. You do exhibitions and lost like four years ago. I think yeah. I'm better than you. And I think Nate chose you for a reason. And I think everyone knows that. But you're what have you done to prove that you're better than me? Well, I don't know. Went toe-to-toe -to -toe eight rounds with the greatest boxer of all time. If for whatever reason Watch it doesn't go KSI's favor, right the story arc of avenging my business partner and brother right. is right there. I think, I, you, I, think you just, I think you just want to beat Tommy to be able to say that you're better than me at boxing. Tommy okay, Fury's pause it right yeah. there. So here's my thoughts on this. Couple things. 
Uh, 80% of me thinks they're fooling the world. 80% of me thinks they're fooling the world, that this is not real. 80%, you ever seen the movie Warrior with Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte? The, and the, fight, the, fight, the, the, the two brothers, that they, the guy in the movie, the story's about the guy that gives $5 million, winner takes all, the baddest man on the planet, and everybody shows up. And the two brothers, Tom Hardy, and what's the other guy's name? He's a great actor, whatever that guy's name is on Joel that picture. Joel Edgerton. Freaking sick actor. I love, I'm, Tom is one of my favorite actors, but him and the other guy, Nick Nolte is an alcoholic in the movie, and he trains one of the brothers, and these two guys from two different brackets end up making it to the championship, and then all of a sudden the guy announces and says, oh, you will not believe the story being built up behind this. These guys are brothers, and they haven't da-da-da-da. One goes into the military, big mess, falling out, and it leads into the biggest spectacle pay-per-view Obviously, it's a movie. Okay, so Jake and Logan, if they're trying to make the real-life warrior movie <laughs> to say we're going to sell record-breaking pay-per-view bigger than Conor McGregor and Mayweather and each of us are going to pick up $100 million, guess what? Kudos to you if that's what you're doing and the world's going to fall for it and they're going to watch it and will it be entertaining? Sure, these guys are professional, professional marketers. For the last five years, they've each made hip-hop videos reacting to the other person and saying, you just want to be me and you just want to be that, and they've ran with this. Now, say that's not the case, okay? Say it's real. Let's just say it's not the case and it's real. A few months ago, I made a video. I think they had a following out with George Anko, and then it wasn't a following out, and then Mike reached out, and him and I talked, was it a following, not a following? No, it's just not a following. Okay, great. I don't know what's going on over there. And uh, whether there was a following out or not. And, uh, you know, they, they have a great podcast. I think Mike's a great communicator. I think Logan's a great marketer. And I think uh, George was a good uh, addition to the group. Obviously, the main draw there is Logan. Before Logan, you and I probably didn't know Mike or we didn't know George. Or Logan kind of pulled it up. And he's done a great job for himself, building a brand, creating a lot of money for a lot of people. No problem. However, if this is, a pub, if this is real and they're going through this, there's a few things that I understand it's a modern day, and I said take 90 days off. I don't know if you remember this whole 90 days, Logan Paul, take the yeah. 90 days off stuff. Yeah. He reacted to it, yeah. by the way. Yeah, and he reacted to it, making fun of it, all these things. So one, if it's fake, they're fooling the people to make the money, go for it. If it's real, rule of thumb, never publicly humiliate your family for dollar. Keeping up with the Kardashians, they did it. Yeah, they're great marketers, whatever you want to put it up there. Great, they did this, they did that. No problem. The family loses a bit of sincerity. The family loses a bit of uh, authenticity. It all becomes an act to get the eyeballs, et cetera, et cetera. If these guys were my sons, which they're not, but if they were my sons, I would have a conversation with them, and I would say, we have some basic guidelines, guy, for this Paul family. You guys can publicly never talk to each other the way you guys have. Privately fight as much as you want. Publicly, you cannot do this. This is not an example. This is why Tate Brothers, when you see the videos on how it shows how Tristan defends Andrew, and that goes viral, and it's teaching brothers to be united, and Logan and Jake showing Logan not being happy for Jake and them having animosity, that creates dissension and division. One unites a family, one divides a family. So if it's an act... Take your couple hundred million dollars. Is it really worth it? I don't think so. I think both of you guys can find ways to make billions and better ways instead of wanting to beat, you know, Connor's fight or all that stuff. And I understand they're both competitive. I really like Jake. Really, I'm a big I really like Jake. Jake, to me, is a very, very attractive um, personality where he's getting wiser and wiser. There's a part of him that I relate to. Like, 
if we were in the army, I probably would have hung out more with Jake than I would have had with Logan if 100%. we were both 18. 100%. But I also think I Logan's like got an upside to be a president one day. I don't think this is a good look on what they're doing, even if it's a publicity stunt. So anyways, we don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that was my thoughts. If you guys got anything added, and then we'll wrap it up. Anything there? Nothing? Okay, let's finish up the podcast. Um, gang, oh, 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 today's what, Rob? Today's, today's Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, today's Tuesday. I thought it was Thursday. Today's Tuesday. So yes. we've got podcasts on Thursday. Friday. Thursday, 3 o'clock, yeah, we're going Thursday. to be doing Special an emergency time. Afternoon. recap of the presidential debate. Oh, Thursday, 3 o'clock, we're reacting to what's going on with uh, uh, the presidential debate. Yesterday, yesterday, Khabib's interview went out. I don't know if you guys saw it or not with the whole thing about in America, we have 100-plus genders. How many do you have in Russia? He yeah. gives reaction, which has gone Hilarious. taken off everywhere. But also, the 54 minutes of the Tate interview that was not released, we finally got approval. Yes. I think that's going out tomorrow oh, on PD yeah. Podcast. Oh, Stay tuned. God. It's going to be abs- – he's going to tell a story of what they did when they were spying on him and his brother in jail. Brilliant. You're going to crack up when Sarah. you hear that story. That's Having awesome. said that, take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Pat, I, yeah, that, that, that last thing.